Welcome back to the Carp Chronicles podcast. We've got a very carpy chat for you today and a very carpy man. Jake Hughes joins us for a chat today. This is part of a new a new kind of, um, I don't know if series is the right word, but a, a new thing that we want to do called Local Legends, where basically I want to interview people that are, you know, perhaps they're not in the limelight, they're not well-known um, nationally, but they're well-known locally, um, and they're getting amongst some, you know, special carp, and they've got good stories to tell. I want to do some of those episodes, and still do some Sam and Pete's episodes, and then still do some, you know, bigger-named guests as well, um, but these kind of chats are just like inspire me to go out grab the rods and and go fishing so hopefully they do the same for you as well um just a little bit of history on on jake jake is a well-respected and very very passionate angler who fishes off the beaten track for some incredible carp that you wouldn't see publicized elsewhere He's also an artist, a very, very good artist, I might add. Uh, and he did the drawings for Kevin Nash's book, like literally last minute, the night before it got published, I think. Um, we talk about this in the episode uh, when he was just 17 years old. Um, and that was, I, th- I think, 10 or 12 years ago. Might be wrong on that. But a long time ago. So he's been doing art for a long, long time. Um, and I know he wants to do a little bit more artwork in the industry so if you want to look at what he can do check out his instagram accounts which are at jake the heron and at jake hughes art it's not just car part that he does he does all kinds of things um and he is very very talented so well worth checking that out in the actual episode today, Jake shares stories on how he's fished for the toadless lever on Frogmore. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that. Um, it was one It was kind of made famous by Terry Hearn. Um, he was fishing on there since the age of 15. He also talks about big pit guesting adventures, you know, big unknown unfished pits that he's fished for. Um, run-ins with gypsies, whole loads of stuff. Um, and he's a, a very natural captivating talker so i think you're all going to really really enjoy this It's a bit of a treat to be honest with you um before we jump into the episode of course brought to you by bp milling if you haven't already you really need to try his pellets they are actually very very good and it's a nice it's a nice change to ring compared to the usual fish mill style pellets which we all use um obviously bp milling they're all cereal based very attractive to fish very healthy for fish as well so check out bpmilling.co.uk. You can grab 10% off your order with the code CHRONICLES10. As well as that, you need to go and check out his YouTube channel because he has some very, very interesting videos on there. Um, I'm learning stuff from them. It, it, it's very different from, you know, you do this to catch carp. It's more about the science behind carp and fisheries, how they work, um, oxygen cycles, weeds, think things like that. So if you want to take a deeper look at the watercraft side of carp angling, definitely go and check out BP Milling's YouTube channel and give him a subscribe. I know he's got a long list of different videos that he's going to be publishing soon, and they are really, really good subjects, so I'm quite looking forward to it. So check out BP Milling on YouTube. Just lastly, let me squeeze this in, OptiBaits. If you are not using our products, you've got to kind of question yourself as to what you're doing, because in my opinion, these are the most unique products available to anglers couple of new products on the website which will go live today as you listen to this they will already be live and that is wafters in our famous buku variety as well as the warlocks both of those two are just catching so many fish right now it's unreal um 
yeah, get on them if you haven't already. Wafters will be in barrels. You can just click on the, uh, the Warlock section and the Buku section and you'll be able to select barrels from each of those. As well as that, long-awaited bait spray, which I've worked very, very hard on and I'm very proud of, to be honest with you. Um, that is also available up on the website. It's called Choco Stim. Lots of good bits in that. Um, there is a, a, a very natural chocolate kind of undertone to it. Um, which I'll talk about at some point. And there's also a blend of amino acids and other feed stimulants in that liquid. So you can use it to spray on your hook bait, spray in your pot of pop-ups. Um, you can use it any which way, really, and it does switch the carp on very efficiently. So go ahead, check that out, optibaits.com. That is it for the intro. Let's jump in to this episode with Jake. Well, we actually had a little bit of a preamble chat before. I've left that in just so you get a bit of a feel for Jake and you can sort of find out what he's all about. But yeah, without further ado, enjoy this very carpy episode with Jake the Heron Hughes. I got out at about... 20 to 8 and I was just like oh my god I'm, I'm knackered but I feel alright now I don't, yeah. I just moved here had some Coca-Cola and now I've got a beer so god knows what's going on in my stomach but I'm feeling a lot better it's all good dude a lot less tired nervous at all or are you all good uh, I'm alright I'm alright not too yeah. bad yeah I think it's yeah like I said it was a little bit little bit of excitement um, Just it's just something you don't do every day you know yeah so we'll see when I start getting into stories and stuff. I think I'll be better when my other half stops watching me whilst making a snack or whatever she's doing. She's gonna she's gonna disappear in a minute, but um, she's making toast. So get her on um, the podcast, mate. She got any good stories or she's um I would say she's she's uh yeah she probably has got some good stories. I remember there was a, there was a storm once down down the lake and uh, she's rocked up at half eleven at night. It's a a big public water in the middle, in the middle of Milton Keynes. So it's, um, it's a little bit dodgy. And she's, uh, cause there's a storm. She's worried about me. She's come at half 11 at night. I'm asleep and set up a pop-up tent next to me just to make sure I was all right. I mean, she's done a few nights on the bank, but she's not really interested. You wow. know, she sounds like a keeper, mate. hundred percent. Yeah. She's done well. Yeah. Where, where do you live? Let me, uh, I currently live in Harpenden. Um, but I'm originally from St Albans. It's only down the road from where I am now. Uh, I don't know if you know St Albans at all. No, I know where it is, but I don't know. I, I don't. Think yeah, I basically, know. if you if you look at um, the M25, one side you've got so east you've got the Lee Valley, west you've got the Colne Valley, which is I mean obviously you know sort of them two sort of zones. Yeah. Cool. And then smack bang at the top you've got uh, of the M25 is where I live. So I live half an hour away from from two of the best sort of zones in the country, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad spot to be at all, is it? No, it's a it's a funny spot because you're um you're sort of stuck between two areas that you've read about. You know, I've read about for many years and whatever. I'm not a big reader, but I have you know I've I've always known about the history and whatnot. But you just can't can't get on uh, much of the waters, you know, which is a little bit of a nightmare. But at the same time, um, growing up and whatever, always walking around. Sort of, I mean, I remember walking the mirror when I was about 16 before the uh, the Black Mirror had died. And uh, I had you know, no interest in fishing there whatsoever. I wasn't good enough, didn't drive, but uh, a mate had just passed his test. We went out and looked. So, yeah, things like that, it's wicked for that, you know, inspiration, if you like, uh, getting your, your, the sort of self fired up. 
did did you ever did you ever see the the, the black mirror or anything no no it was, or anything uh it was we walked the high bank one winter we were supposed to go to a carp show i can't remember which one it was and we'd never done a carp show before and i still haven't now and uh last minute i stayed in essex in chigwell a friend of mine's house with a couple of boys i, I grew up fishing with down frogmore and um and a mate who was he was a non-angler and uh yeah last minute we just all decided let's go around some lakes in the Calm Valley. So we went to, we walked the high bank of the Mere, you know, it's freezing cold, the shows are in the winter. Um, it was just a buzz, you know, you, you, you're, what, you're looking at the, the whole lake, uh, it's cold, we're never going to see nothing. We were all, uh, it was a bit of a heavy night the night before as well. We'd, uh, I think there was a couple of beers, kebabs and maybe spliffs. I, I didn't smoke, but spliffs involved. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we walked there. I'm glad we didn't go to the show because so I couldn't talk to anyone really. I don't think the next day. We walked around the dark park, walked around Sheep Walk and a few other. I might have walked around Ellis, but I can't remember. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, some, some proper bits of water. I haven't fished yeah. any of them, but just, you know, great to get around there, I suppose. I often think I'd like to just sort of take take a couple of weeks out from work at some point. It probably never happen, and just go around all these sort of you know these these historic waters that we've all read about, and sort of you know, like so you build up a picture in your mind of what that lake's going to be like, don't you? And I imagine like nine times out of ten, it's probably going to disappoint, but it'd still be amazing just to kind of go around these places. I mean, they're two weeks probably ain't enough. There's so many bits of water out there. Hundred percent, but I think you know. I think you can you can do a, a good bit in a day. You know, we done a lot that day. I can't remember if it was that day or another day, but we done Raysbury. And when I say we, we walked Raysbury, we had a look at a couple of uh, there was there was a gypsy site on one of the roads. Yeah. I don't I don't know Raysbury at all, to be honest with you. I can't remember if I could see the dredger from there or not. But looking out, it was just like you know the pinnacle at the time. Uh, I can't remember what was still about back then because I don't remember the year, but. It was about probably 13 years ago. So, it was, you know, it still had some real good ones in it. Uh, low stock. It's not what it is now, you know. And, um, yeah, seeing it back then certainly got the, uh, the juices flowing, you know. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we're, we're sort of, this is like all good stuff to leave in the intro. Is there, a, like, there's just a bit of background noise, Jake. Is, is there something going on in the back there? What is it? Is it like a crackle or something? Yeah, it sounds like a Jack Russell on a wooden floor. <laughs> Is that any better? Yeah. 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 What was that? I was I was playing a um uh on YouTube. I was playing a fire, like a fire going. <laughs> it's like I haven't got a fire and I want one. So, uh, <laughs> so it's just a fire crackling, you know. It's just uh, I suppose it was a bit re- relaxing, but I can do without it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, probably better without it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know what you can hear with these, these headphones. Yeah, but, very yeah, Terry Hearn, mate. Now. In front of your virtual fire, yeah, that, that's that's news. That's too new school for her, and I think I doubt he's got. <laughs> I doubt he's got a TV with with YouTube on it, but um, that, that's that's as far as I get to a fire. So maybe one day. I think I think we'll uh, we'll just keep going. I think this is quite a good intro. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go for I think it. We'll, we'll we'll loop back round to 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 how you got into angling. I know that's something that you want to discuss. But I mean, life for you at the minute, Jake. Just to sort of paint a picture. What, what does angling life look for you like? Sorry, I'll say that again. What does angling life look like for you? Um, in terms of the the, uh, the present, it's pretty much been non-existent for about six weeks. I know that's not a long time, 
but um, yeah, I'm I'm clucking right now. But um, normally my fishing is incredibly intense. It's six weeks on, six weeks off. It's a little bit like that. As much as I can physically get away with, without my missus saying, right, get out, you know, I've had enough of you. Um, so I will, let's say, let's say it's, it's March. I'll, I'll do as much as I can in sort of March, April, maybe the start of May. Um, and that's 5am walks before work, baiting up. Um, midnight walks after work, if my missus is asleep, I ring her, she don't answer, I think, well, she, she's falling asleep, putting the little one to bed. I get straight around the lake, just as much as I can get away with without affecting my family life too much, you know, because, you know, if I had to weigh it up, what's more important, my little one and my missus, or fishing, <laughs> they win every time. However, you know, I do get a little bit miserable if I don't go uh, and if my head's not stuck into it, you know. Um, but yeah, just intense spells, I, I guess, uh, trying to do the very best I can. Uh, sometimes it's enough and sometimes it isn't. And, you know, recently it was, but there's been plenty of other times where uh, towel between your legs, you know. But uh, yeah, just just very intense whilst trying to balance everything, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, are you typically doing short overnight sessions or are you doing longer sessions in chunks? Um, How's since, it going? since moving house, uh, which was, when was that, August, uh, my, my, my sessions were pretty much anywhere between 11 at night and 3am is when I'd get down to the lake. Mm. And that's because I'm painting, decorating, working, sorting a little one out, whatever it might be. And then, you know, you've got to sort your gear out. And that's sort of, you know, that was, uh, I've, I've been fishing a little lake, so I've been able to do it. Uh, I think it's about six acres or so. Um, and then, yeah, leaving at, I was sort of leaving at seven, eight, nine in the morning. So, um you know, a quick overnight, as I guess, but um, there are other times where I'm doing uh, doing sort of longer sessions, I guess, uh, and that's sort of a day, a night, and half a day, something like that. I'm normally working on the day of my session, uh, on the day I, I leave, and on the day I get back, I'm normally working. So it's not um, it's it's enough for me as long as I can bait up uh, or as long as I can walk around that lake. If I can't do that, then I do get a little bit like, well, what's the point of this, you know? Mm. And that's why I do the intense spells. If it doesn't align with me fishing, I won't do it. Even though I really want to, you know, like I said, there's a lot more, there's a lot more going on in life. So, um, and, and it's, it's more of a treat as well when I do that, you know? I literally, I was saying something really similar to, to my girlfriend the other day. Like when I go fishing, I want everything else in my life to be like lined up. Yeah, it's like when, when I was younger, I've probably <laughs> everything. In fact, nothing, very little in my life was lined up, to be honest. But I was just like yeah. fishing, fishing, fishing. And I didn't care about anything else. Now, I think you come to an age, maybe not all of us do, but some of us certainly. And it's like, no, I, I need to make sure like my home life, that's all good and catered for so I can go to the bank, fish, get my fix, but without feeling guilty like I should be doing yeah. something. Yeah, no, 100%. Else. You know, and I think, um, I think what distinguishes someone let's say like myself to uh, an angler that um is is catching all of them uh, i think they are willing to push the limit so far and they might balance they might still balance it but they make sure that their, their job is is in play for their session and their misses you know and the, the kids maybe they're not having them or whatever and i'm i feel like when i met my missus i weren't 
fishing at the time and that sort of took over and then the fishing come back i had a long break from fishing so it's been it's the whole time it's been trying to sort of squeeze in what i can and uh i have at times i've, I've like like when i was doing the house up uh, i was trying to um uh, go fishing when i and that's why i was going at 3am or whatever i needed to go i think it was, it was very important for me i had a, a lot of success as well uh, considering but um yeah it really took its toll on me that the fishing then you know i was i was like a, a shadow of my my former self mm. after that whereas whereas uh, may this year you know I'd, I'd, uh, it was a far better balance far more enjoyable and um yeah I sort of i feel like that's maybe how i got the job done recently Wait, so what you you were getting to the lake at uh, potentially three o'clock three a.m yeah. three in the morning and then what how long were you fishing for uh, fishing until well normally I, I fish in one rod uh, I'll give you a little bit of background so I was fishing a spot there was a cave in a, a massive snag line in a little out of bounds sort of zone and this cave you could cast to it and and you know I've, I cast it once I caught one but uh, the lake itself is relatively low stock it's not the lowest stock in the world but they're tricky there's crayfish in there they get angled for all the time there's a high turnaround of anglers in there and um it's probably 35, 45 carp in, in eight, eight uh, sorry, six acres. So it's not massively low stock, but they are tricky. Uh, and a lot, of, you know, probably half of them are stockies, which no disrespect, but that's not what I was there for. Um, and what I was doing was I, was I was putting a little nightlight on a, on a, a baiting pole, shoving it in through, going around the outbounds down the bank, shoving it through so I could see where it was, casting over it, dragging it back, back through and, uh, uh, dropping the rig right in the edge so running around there doing that so I knew I was fishing perfectly and I don't think anyone else would do that and that's why I was willing to go down there at 3am because I thought well I've got a, 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 uh, I can't do that casting you know uh, I'm, it's just so much better to do it that way and, and if I couldn't do it like that I probably wouldn't have fished because I wouldn't have been fishing effectively and I have to know that I've you know and I was pre-baiting the spot as well which helped um, but yeah Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. I'd just stay at home. Yeah, that's it, mate. That is it. Before we jump in any further, I always forget this. Tipple, tipple of the episode. Are you joining us for a drink, Jake? Yeah, uh, it's not something I do very often, um, but I've got a, uh, I've got a couple of Estrellas, and I've got uh, three Red Stripes, just old beers that have been stuck in my fridge for a long time. But I'm uh, more than happy to have a few with you. Good choice, mate. Good choice. I do like an Estrella. I like a Red Stripe for old time's sake as well. And you, you know, I've I've, uh, I've done a little holiday in Jamaica, and we lived off of off of that <laughs> and their finest herbs over there. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, reminds me of good times over there. You know. Yeah, nice, mate. Pete, what are you on? Uh, yeah, nothing fancy. Uh, on the lagers as well. Just got a couple of Budweisers. Nice. I'm. Uh... I'm bucking the trend, you peasants. I'm on the wine, actually. Right. I'm getting yeah, shedding some pounds. I'm getting married soon, so I need to sort my sort myself out and, and lose a little bit of weight. So yeah, I'm on the. Uh, I've got a um, an Argentinian Malbec. It's just the basic one from Marks and Spencer's, just their own one. Nothing yeah, that, that'll do me. That'll do me. The only thing is, I'll be battered if I was drinking red wine on on this podcast. You know. A couple mate, of hours of drinking that. Sam will be. Oh, I, I haven't drunk for a while. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I haven't drunk for a while. So I re- And I'm eating like super clean at the minute. 
And uh, yeah, I reckon this is going to go to my go right to my head. Um, but there we go. But this is the thing, Jake, Sam. What you got for little chasers? Because I know when that bottle of wine's gone, <laughs> you're going to be a thirsty man. <laughs> Jesus, we've been like we've got this like um, this like drinks globe type thing. It's like it's literally a globe that you can spin, but it's like a drinks cabinet. Pete, you've seen it, I think, haven't you? Mm. Mm-hmm. We've been filling it up with like different all sorts of different stuff. So the danger is that actually, once I drink this, I've got so much to go at. Which is not why good. Not? Yeah, it's not good. No, it's not. I'll tell you why not, because it ends up messy, doesn't it, Pete? Often, I'm sure that we'll, you're... we'll finish recording and then we'll be on the phone for a few hours talking about cart stuff, just getting battered, and it's ridiculous. Play. It's I'll ridiculous. be more battered than you on five beers than you'll be on all of that, I guarantee you. <laughs> uh, fair enough, mate. I mean, I there's there's so much to talk about. Um, obviously, you know, you're not someone who's under the spotlight. Um, not necessarily a well-known guy, but you've got some very interesting uh, angling tales to tell, I know. And as well as that, obviously, your your art plays a, a big sort of part in your life. I definitely want to talk about that. But I guess we'll kind of lead on to that later. I know you wanted to yep. talk about your earlier years in fishing, how it all sort of came about and um, and what happened there. And I know it's a little bit cliche to kind of have that sort yep. of at the beginning, but I know you've got some some good juicy bits to to reveal with that. So. I mean, how, what were the early years like for you? Well, I suppose, I mean, you know, the early years for me, they, they lead on to, obviously they lead on to everything else, but, um, you know, they were, um, I didn't have uh, someone in my family fishing. Uh, do you remember Rex Hunt? Yeah. 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 I used to sit, I used to sit and watch him uh, with my granddad. He weren't a fisherman. He, he's one of them. Discovery was always on and, um, or National Geographic or whatever it was. And I used to sit there and watch them with him, three, four years old. I remember it as clear as anything. And I would, uh, I, I become obsessed with fishing. And I'd, I'd get a stick with a bit of string and sit in their, their flower bed in the garden. There was like a flower bed. It almost looked like a pond where it was raised. And uh, I'd sit there for hours just pretending to fish. And um, it was only until my nan took me at about seven years old, so three or four years later, she weren't a fisherman. She'd never been. And we, we caught nothing. We caught my little brother, actually. My nan had cast out and hooked my little brother's finger. He was probably three at the time. It, it was carnage. But, um, yeah, that that sort of kicked it off for me. Um, we didn't go much. Uh, I ended up, I went with my um, my stepdad uh, twice. So, he, you know, he was my stepdad. My mum, uh, she likes engagements. And... Uh, uh, yeah, we, I went with my stepdad twice um, and and I was a little bit older then. I was probably 10. So I'd probably been five times with my nan. Still haven't caught nothing uh, on, on the River Lee and five times with my stepdad, just fishing for roach and whatnot. And I'd, I'd actually caught something, uh, netting for sticklebacks and stuff like that. Um, but it was when my second cousin's granddad finally allowed me to go uh, with with them. My, my second cousin, me and him, we, you know, we grew up with, we we were such good friends, um, but we never never had been fishing together, went to school together and everything. And, um, yeah, uh, he agreed to take me. I used to, he had a little courser. He was blind as a bat. He nearly killed us on every trip. But I'd lay down um, in the back because the seats were all down. And I'd say a little prayer. I'm not religious, but I'd say a prayer every time because he'd always hit something. And, uh, yeah, he was a character, a, a proper character. His name was Alan. And, um yeah, he, he used to take us down some of the um, Verulam Anglian waters. So uh, waters, it was a, obviously it was a club. And the first one was, was Smallford. So it was a sort of a gravel pit of 30 foot 
and that's where we we just used to fish for bream. And it was only when um, I'd caught from one of the other Verulam waters a fish that, I, I, that required two hands to hold it for a photograph that I wanted to fish for carp. Uh, it was a barbel from the River Lee. And uh, I had loads of magazines, loads of carp magazines. And yeah, me and my mate, we used his paper round money to, to, um, to get some ready-made ESP carp rigs. I think they were raptor hooks or whatever, or, um, and some lead clips. And I just remember thinking I was... Terry Earn at the time, you know, going down the lake with, uh, with, with hair rigs, you know. Um, and it was snowing on our first trip. Smallford was tricky. You know, you had to, it was an egg box. You had to put your, your rigs on spots, really, if you were casting. Otherwise, you're in 20 foot, silty and, and horrible. It was snowing. And uh, my mate cast a rod out for me. That's how inexperienced I was at the time. And uh, we walked around the lake. Uh, we were shooting... Um, we had a little catapult and we were trying to shoot rabbits, I think. And my rod ripped off, so I had to run about a mile to the rod. I landed in an 11 pound common, and since that day, um, I haven't done anything else really, just carp fishing. I'm obsessed since that day, everything changed there and then. Uh, I went from, <laughs> from wanting to fish for sort of you know progressively bigger fish, uh, bream and whatever else at, at points. And yeah, since then, I've, I haven't wanted to fish for anything else. I'm not into all these big perch in the winter. and big pike and all of that not at all it's all about car for me yeah fair enough mate I, like obviously moving on from there what what was your you don't have to name it but what would you class as your first sort of proper proper carp water meaning that you know you, you're out there targeting some some specific fish maybe or um or it's a bit was, more than just like a a, a a day ticket type fishing yeah i mean um i guess from there, we started, although I was in my head a carp angler, we'd done a bit of time down um, down Frogmore. Uh, it's, it's known as Moor Mill nowadays, um, but it's it's what held the, the famous toadless lever, sort of known as um, uh, Heather's little sister, uh, very similar to Heather, a little bit smaller, 40 pounder, very old. And um, yeah, started fishing down there for the tench. Um, there's four lakes on the complex um bit of a funny area you know the occasional car burnt out in the car park the occasional crackhead trying to rob your alarms the very regular uh gypsies trying to cause carnage and uh, uh yeah we um we started fishing there for the tench a lake next door the island pit had recently been stopped um with some sort of funky looking carp i mean they'd sort of come from all over really wherever they could get them from. So there was a, a real, real sort of funny stock of a bit of everything. Some were battered, some were lovely. So I fishing there um, and, you know, it was weedy, it was clear. There were probably 100 carp in there. Had about, I don't know, 15 or 20 islands on it. That's what it's called, the Island Lake. Um, and yeah, we, we, we didn't, we weren't feeling for drops or anything like that, but we seemed to do better than the boys who were doing the nights on there. Um, doing day sessions, getting dropped off, or or however we were getting down there. Sometimes we'd cycle, um, and we were just casting tight to islands. I guess because they were tight to islands, they were relatively clear areas where the weed hadn't got up yet. And we'd have two or three a session sometimes, and and um, from there started fishing another lake, the school pit, very small lake, probably had ten carp in there, caught the big one out of there. Uh, that was un it wasn't under the ice, but the lake was like ninety percent frozen. 
um, and I wanted to get rid of some bait, so I threw it off of an island um, to, well, just to get rid of it. I didn't want to take it home. And uh, all week I was like, they're going to get on that. Uh, got back on the island a week later. I wanted to do a night, but my mum wouldn't let me. You know, we were, we were like 13, sleeping on the floor. I was alone most of the time. Uh, and it was dodgy as well. I'd been robbed before that um, down there. So sleeping on the floor by yourself, it was, it was scary. She, she said, no, you're not doing a night. So I went down there, caught the, um, I lowered a rig down before the bag had melted. I caught the big one out of the school pit. It was a real old one. Um, I'd seen photos of it from years previous and I think it hadn't done a capture for about five years and then it was like well there's nothing really else to do on this on this um on this sort of complex if you like so uh I moved on to the to the lever pit where the uh where the toadless lever lived and um I think it was about 15 by then um I, I had no money no bait <laughs> uh used to ask people for putty in the swim next door or whatever and I was on a pretty much a circuit water um 11 carp very tricky lots of finger bays and whatnot for them to sort of hide in uh, and also there was sort of a couple of swims that done fish and they were always stitched up but i think the first year i'd, I'd done nothing in the second year i'd caught the big common um and and a few others um and yeah it was uh that was my first proper carp water you know bumping into to, to um sort of local legends as well, you know, um, and, and some some people from further afield. I mean, as you know, obviously, Hearn caught uh, the toadless ever six, seven years previous or whatever. Um, yeah. And it was like our little Yaty, that that um, that complex, because, it, you know, we'd read about Yaty. I didn't quite understand it, but we knew there was something special in all the lakes and we were fishing for them at a very young age um we were friends with it, all the locals and um you know we absolutely loved it and uh, i think if i didn't if i fished because up to this point i hadn't really fished any day tickets um and if i'd had fished day tickets maybe the the angling would have gone in another direction but um yeah fortunately it didn't i'm, I'm really chuffed it didn't because i think i would have stopped fishing and um, yeah, we learned the hard way, definitely, because even on the, you know, even on the easier like the island pit, hundred fish, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're fishing snags. There's crayfish. There's gypsies trying to rob you, uh, dodgy people around at night. So um, yeah, it, it hardened us up. That's for sure. You know. See, I think it was early two thousand. Well, in fact, I know it was early two thousands that Terry caught the um the lever the toadless lever what year were you on there or what year did you start fishing it i started on there um about 2006 so i wasn't carp fishing it at that point uh 2008 is when i started carp fishing it right what were you fishing for before pretty much everything i mean i was i was there for the carp in my head but being limited to fishing next door to a, an old boy, our, our uh, sort of adult, if you like, uh, we were so young. Um, we fished for uh, tench, roach, pike, you know, depended on the day really. But uh, whenever I could get the carp was out, I would. And uh, it weren't long. I think it's about seven or eight months until I was down there by myself doing the nights. I weren't relying on him anymore, on my mate's granddad. Uh, I, was, I was getting my nan to take me. Um, my mum didn't drive, so it'd be right when you finish work get me down that lake you know and she weren't happy about it but 
this is the thing. I wasn't doing much time. I was doing overnighters still back then. You know, it'd be get down there Friday in the dark, get home uh, sort of Saturday early afternoon. It's not ideal, is it? Really, but um, no. But you, I mean, you're in at the deep end from an early age. Then, what were you like, fourteen, and you're fishing? You're fishing frogmore. That's pretty hardcore, isn't it? Oh yeah, I would say so. I didn't know it at the time, but um, yeah, uh, you know, fishing the leather pit at fifteen. I mean, you know, a mate of mine caught the leather at fifteen years old, uh, and he was pretty much like a god at the time, you know, to me because he'd he, you know, he's from Essex, uh, and he he made his way down there. Um, his mum gave him lifts, and, and he managed to do it. He caught arguably one of the sort of one of the best, if you like. Uh, I, I would say one of the best because it was so dear to my heart uh, and, and he'd done it um, as a kid you know it's monumental really but just to have just to catch one of them fish was was enough for me and doing it uh, and you know doing better than some of the boys on there there were blokes doing weekends and I was doing a Saturday night uh, and they were doing a whole weekend and, and they were baiting and, and they had you know and they had a lot of the, the resources I've got now um but I didn't have that back then. I bet my mate didn't have it back then. Um, we were reliant on paper round money and, and skiving off of our paper rounds on a Saturday just to do our fishing, getting in trouble with the bloke as well. There was plenty of uh, scared sort of Monday mornings going to do that paper round because you know you should have been there. <laughs> but um, it, it bought me every single bit of gear that I owned at the time. You know, I had a couple of Terry own rods, uh, no spot and marker, nothing like that. Um, a throwing stick and a couple of tawnies and... <laughs> A dodgy old net that when the gypsies down there robbed me they gave me some bits because uh, they felt sorry for me a little while later so I ended up with a better net than I should have had a better mat uh, they nicked some bait off of a friend of mine and when they found out it was me they robbed in the dark they gave me his bait it was ridiculous down there it was like the wild wild west honestly uh, I haven't fished anywhere like it since I fished some, some dodgy waters you know um, but nothing like that it was ridiculous we shouldn't have been down there. I used to ring my mum and say, yeah, I'm with Figgy, I'm with John, I'm with him, her, them, making up names. Reality was I was down there by myself on the floor, uh, shitting my pants, you know, but it, it was worth it, you know. So they were the, the best days of my, of, of my life, really, thinking think about fishing-wise, because we were so innocent to it all. Um, and it was, you know, it was uh, in the summer holidays before I was doing the nights, I was doing day sessions. And... Uh, yeah, it was like a paradise, you know, crystal clear water, uh, loads of mares tail weed, like a football pitch. Uh, and, yeah, you know, seeing monsters swimming through it, it, it's it's not really, it's nothing I'd experienced before that. And um, it's everything I look for in my fishing to this day. So, you know, clearly it had a massive effect on on the way I've, I've gone with my angling now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're cutting your teeth on a water like that like how can it not have a a a pretty profound effect on you and you you probably you probably became a a good angler pretty damn quick because you've obviously got to contend with the weed the nature of the lake and uh and obviously everything else your setup mate sounds all right for a kid on a paper round i used used to do six a day hands mate that's all right (laughs) i used to do six a day so (laughs) it was it was ridiculous but um yeah i'm uh, there was a bloke down there steve known as stella man there's a lot of characters down there. And uh, he was called Stella Man because he was a man who loved Stella. And um, he caught he caught his fair share, but he was uh, always on the Stellas. Just that was his that was his night out for the week, you know. He was a family man during the week and um, 
yeah, he sold me some to- uh, some uh, rods on the cheap. I think he was doing me a favour. And then there was a bloke on on CMEX at the time who done me my my tawnies for ninety quid a piece. You can't get them now for Jeez. you know they're they're silly money now, aren't they? But back then they weren't. And um, yeah, so you know, six paper rounds was well worth it, and, and the trouble that come with it. Yeah, mate, I I fish with tawnies, so <laughs> I used to, you were doing all right. That's good enough for me. Yeah, I still still do now. Still do now oh, that you? you know. Like, yeah, I don't think I could use anything else. I tried, but yeah, always go back to them. Yeah, bulletproof, yeah, yeah. What? So, I mean, in terms, of, you obviously you're doing nights. You mentioned just sleeping on the floor. In fact, I've spoke to you before, so I know you were just literally when you say sleeping on the floor, you were sleeping on the floor, weren't you? Didn't have a brawly or anything like that. Uh, I had a um, a, a diver. It sounds this is going to sound ridiculous now, but what I used to do was I would until I had enough money for my brolly, I would slum it in the front of, of someone's brolly you know that's what i would do in a sleeping bag but it wasn't a warm sleeping bag i did do nights in the winter on the floor um especially over smallford uh and uh yeah i bought myself a diver mission brolly they were about 50 quid back then the cheapest yeah. one i could get yeah. there was no internet for fishing gear back then i can't remember there being any websites and uh, you just used to go to the fishing magazine and, and order it through there so I got me Bolly, and then there was a bloke down there. I remember um, fishing. He was he was on the lever pit, and he'd done very well on the lever pit. He never caught the lever, but he ended up womanising for a long time, um, probably just before he was about to catch it. And one day, he found out I was sleeping on the floor, and he said, I'm going to take you to Johnson Ross, and I'm going to buy you a bed chair. And... Um, yeah, I remember he, he, he one day just rocks up at like with a brand new one. He didn't actually take me to the shop. And um, yeah, that's what the place was like. You know, it was a family. Uh, it brought a tear to my eye at the time. I couldn't believe it. I was gobsmacked. Probably the nicest thing anyone had done for me, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, and then I was and then I was, I was on a bed chair, you know. It was great. It was like uh, going on holiday every time I fished. Better than the bed at home. So <laughs> it was a result. What, what was that guy's name? Do you want to name him? Uh, yeah, uh, Tom Carey. He's uh, he doesn't really fish nowadays, but he, um, you know, he was like all of us, a little bit older, but he was like all of us down there. He um, he cut his teeth on there, I guess. Uh, he'd fished some other sort of local waters and done well, um, and yeah, he'd done far better than than I had. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he again played a, played a big part in my fishing, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. So, from I mean, from there, you you said you obviously you didn't manage to get um, a toadless, unfortunately, but you you got between some of the fish, some of the some of the A team, so to speak, or was it was it the the kind? Yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, I caught the you know it was eleven carp. Everything was overshadowed by this big fat grey leather mm. that was forty whatever years old when Hearn caught it. Let alone five or six, seven years later, when eight years when we were fishing for it. Uh, it was a mid 40 the second in command was a high 20 you know uh but for me at the time my biggest fish was the big and out the school pit 23 pounder um i've done some proper fishing but i hadn't caught any proper fish so i on my second night of the year pre-baited a spot in the edge um and <laughs> i used to wear fire waders all the time ian bailey was fishing it back then uh works for corda really nice bloke and he named me the heron that's where the name comes from uh because i used to walk around my uh, my fire waders 
I'm six foot six. I'm skinny. So I, I've clearly looked like a heron. And I, I baited a little spot in this bay, caught the um, the big common, which was 26-12. It's now a mid-30, I think. Um, but it was old back then. It was named after one of the boys who used to fish it, who unfortunately died. Uh, and he caught it, obviously. Um, and I caught that one. A week later, I caught uh, another one. And uh, yeah, that year I'd done well. I, I had quite a few. I, I know I'd done better than most people on there and uh, I think more than anything it was uh, just being enthusiastic and seeing it with a fresh set of eyes I still didn't really know how to uh, fish if you like um, these boys were all better anglers than me but um, yeah I think that's all it was was seeing it from from a, from a different angle I suppose fishing fishing from in a different way I was fishing from in the weed with with uh, naked choddies and, and I was fishing I was, I was stalking them as well so I think these boys were sort of setting up camp and it was the right way to catch that lever without a doubt. And, and I was fishing for fish, I was fishing for carp. Uh, and I think the buzz that I got out of catching that 26-12 common was probably greater than some of the captures of the lever. I'd witnessed it come out and some people were chuffed and some people, it wasn't big enough for them, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't the top weight or whatever. It, most people were over the moon, don't get me wrong. And I can't blame, it did drop in weight when it got older. So I can't blame them for feeling that way. But, you know, for me, it wasn't all about that lever. It was about all of them carp in that lake. Um, and, uh, yeah, by the time I'd sort of probably got good enough to catch it and understood the way I was going to catch it, I'd, uh, I'd fallen out of love with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, started sort of, not getting up to no good, but, you know, going out and having a laugh and whatnot. And I had a little break from fishing after that. And when you when you did come back, with, did you go back to, to Frogmore or did you go elsewhere? Um, my nan had bought me, sold all my gear to cut hair. So I needed to get a proper job, like I was told. I could have, my, my life could have gone two ways at that point. Because I was so in love with the fishing. A bloke called Paul Hill, who was the fishery manager down the complex, had said to me, look, bloke called Roy, he lives in France. You go and run his lake, uh, you know, bailiff it, help people catch fish, throw their dinners at them, whatever. Whatever you've got to do. Um, do you fancy it? It's a year. Well, it's nine months of the year. I was like, yeah, 100%. But my mum said, no, you've got to do sick form and you've got to get a job. And I understand it totally. But um, I ended up uh, learning how to cut hair and uh, sold all my gear to fund the cutting air basically you know I had some some nice fishing gear that was sort of go it went up in value a little bit and I got a bit better money for it and um, while I was learning I, I needed money to, to eat while I was at work and whatever and um, yeah it totally obviously totally changed everything for me there and then I thought well you know money was fun coupons after that it wasn't bait or reels or bloody hooks or whatever it was uh it was beers after that, you know, and, and yeah. cloves and whatever. And, and yeah, everything sort of changed from there. After that, I'd, um, I'd, because uh, we'd, we'd fished all over whilst fishing uh, Frogmore, you know, fished mm -hmm. Glen Faber, done a night on language, which is known as Heartbreak Lake, done a bit here, there and everywhere. Uh, and um, so we'd, we'd done loads really, uh, sort of for our age up, if you like. But I had a, a big break. I I went out uh, a lot, lots of scraps. I'm not good at fighting at all, and I learned that the hard way. Lots of broken noses and chipped mm -hmm. teeth, um, uh, lots of beers. And then, um, 
yeah, met my mate. I remember saying one day, I said, right, I'm, I'm ready now to settle down. I need a missus. I've never had one before, really. And um, a week later, my brother, he's a... Uh, He's gay, so he's got loads of girl mates. He said, "Oh, there's a girl at work. You'd, uh, <laughs> there's a girl at work you'd like." I, I gate crashed a, a party there, all that, and uh, she fell for me there and then. And um, after being with her for about six months, I was like, "Right, it's fishing time now." So I got on to a, a lake. We'll we'll call the Otter Lake. I don't really know what else to call it, but I don't want to name it. I, um, I know the lake, don't I? It's the one. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's a. 70-ish acre lake, big out of bounds, 10-acre island in the middle, um, probably 25 carp in it. But they were tricky because unless you've got a southwesterly, they're always 200, and, well, 200 yards away or whatever. Yeah. And getting 200 yards, you know, getting a rig 200 yards, that's not easy. So I had to wait for the weather. And um, I was fishing mono back then. And uh, I suffered three cutoffs fairly quickly in good weather obviously it was like right braid time now got on the braid and suffered five foot pulls it, it was ridiculous you know uh, but picking a water of such sort of magnitude i guess you know a water that i'd basically i'd stumbled across it i was supposed to be fishing somewhere else and me and a mate had drove up uh, up north to, to look to look at this place and um whilst walking to that lake it was 100 acres but a, a better stock it probably had 200 carp in it um we walked past another lake and there and then i was just like well i'm fishing here fuck the other one um and uh yeah i started fishing it there and then and uh lots of blanks that that first summer very weedy uh and i i know why i didn't do well so yeah lost lots of fish um and then went on to the reservoir after that didn't catch anything basically uh i was really frustrated as well like very frustrated I was convinced that I had no confidence in, because I hadn't caught a carp in, in many years, apart from the odd French trip and the odd social. And um, that's when I got on the reservoir. And I just needed a change there and then. Um, and, you know, that that lake, the the, the Otter Lake, it, um, I remember on our first session, I'm, I'm looking at the top of a brolly, the wind's going nuts. Rods are, have been wiped out by swans. And then I can just see clouds. The wind has literally ripped the, the, the brolly away and, and torn it to shreds. And we're going home at 3 a.m. And that weren't the first time that happened on there. A 10 mile an hour wind on there, because it was so flat, the local area, it was like a 30 mile an hour wind. And this was, I think it was 50 mile an hour or something ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it, it beat me up that place, the first stint on there. Uh, I'd never suffered a migraine in my life, but there was a sewage uh, thingy nearby. I had three migraines in three sessions head in the grass, eyes closed, may as well have been at home. So I thought, right, I need to get out of here. And uh, yeah, I went to the reservoir shortly after that. And then did you, uh, when you say you were, see, obviously I know bits about your angling, but I don't know that much. When you say you went there shortly after, was this just like one session on on the otter pit and then on to there or? I did a a whole summer from June the 16th until september i've done that whole time on there uh i was working at the time five or six days depending on the week so i was racing up the um the motorway um and getting there Uh, but yeah i was getting bites but i just wasn't landing them you know if the conditions were right it was lots of blanks but um i was getting bites and uh, i was doing a night a week and i was doing a bit of baiting here and there um 
but yeah, I, that stint, I caught nothing. Uh, and I, I don't know, I might've done 15 nights or, or something, which, you know, isn't loads, but it, it was enough for me to say, right, fuck this. I'm gone. Cause I was so frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, like the lake that you went on to, we'll come to that in a bit. You then came back to Otter Pit, didn't you? Later down yeah. There. I come back after a bit of success on a few waters actually. And I got a, a dodgy old Range Rover, which I'd actually bought for another lake in the Cone Valley for, because it was a bit off-road. Uh, and I, and I, I wanted a Defender, but I couldn't afford one. So I got this Range Rover, picked my mate up who'd never been down there, and he fell in love straight away. And, uh, yeah, we see him showing on the end of a wind. It was unbelievable. Didn't check the weather, nothing, just, just luck. Cast the rig out, and within 20 minutes, I had a, a common, a high 20 common in the net. And um, after that, it just sort of, it still beat me up, don't get me wrong. I'd, I think I'd lost one that night and then got a migraine and didn't get the rods back out. Uh, I, I just couldn't, couldn't open my eyes. Head was buried in the bed all night. My mate had, had the worst social of his life, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, my photographer when I first got there and then and then he'd done the off. So I remember my missus coming down to walk the dog, even though it's not local. And I didn't talk to her because I was, I, was, I was, you know, my head was in the grass. Um, this was sorry to interrupt this is like a regular thing this this headache from the lake it was when there was a certain wind the wind had blown i think there was always a smell it's from the sewage and the wind had blown the um the horrible air you know in the in the sort of area where where i was fishing i think i'd never had a migraine before or after i don't suffer from headaches but this is what i mean this lake it felt like it was cursed uh there was an old boy who died down there he was well known. He did. He he was one of the only people I've ever heard of to fish this lake. But the boys on a, a lake nearby knew him, and he was a bit of a legend, I guess. I don't. I can't even remember the bloke's name. Um, and there was a little memorial thing for him there, and I always felt like it was a bit eerie at night. Now, it's Frogmore was the same. A friend of mine's. Uh, um, I'm not. I won't go into that actually because that might be a bit personal. But um, yeah, the uh, the old boy had died, and um, I felt like. It, it, I don't believe in that stuff. But, you know, when it's late at night and you haven't slept, you, you do a little bit. And I felt like it was a bit cursed. Everything went wrong. There was one other bloke who, who I who fished it regularly. I think he had a couple in, in three or four years or whatever. And he said the same thing. He was like, yeah, this place, I don't know what it is, but it, um, it beats you up bad, you know, uh, whether it's the weather or some weird occurrences or uh getting stuck in the mud or it just there were so many different things that, that happened down there um you know uh, a 24-hour bike ride when i wanted to get a rod out at 200 yards and i'm not casting let's put it that way i won't say any more than that hmm. uh so you so i weren't fishing yeah, it's just silly things like it was every bloody week that these things were happening um i think that's why i'd, I'd had enough but when i started catching them it was fairly consistent and I made sure I got down there when the moons and the weather had aligned with each other. So I didn't give it too much time and I started catching them, you know, choddies, 90 yards, you know, getting in the water and just chucking as far as I could into the end of that wind with, with braid. It weren't easy, but um, yeah, when, when you could get on them, you catch them straight away. Yeah. Just, just getting into the nitty gritty of it a bit more. Cause this, this kind of fishing will appeal to, I would presume most of our listeners what what do you think was the turning point for you? Like, was there any big sort of aha moment or is it literally just sort of like going for it, 
Let's find them. Just bang it. Bang the the turning the turning point was was I think it was confidence. It was going elsewhere and fishing somewhere on paper just as hard, but um, somewhere maybe more suited to my my angling. And then just thinking, well, they're only carp, you know, and you've got to get on them. It's as simple as that. You're not going to catch a fish in a lake that is 70 acres or whatever it was with 40 acres out of bounds uh, when the wind's hacking in the other direction. You're not going to do it. And, and I would fish there no matter what. I'd, go, I'd be there. So now I, I, I just fished it when the conditions were spot on. I didn't waste any more time. If I was, if I was fishing and the weather weren't right, I'd be elsewhere. I'd add, you know, get a couple of tickets on the go at the same time for me. And that was the turning point. And then catching one, you know, once you've caught one, it just seems to flow from there. And once I had one in the net, you know, I, I, I learned, you know, I learned, for example, if they're going towards the Norfolk Reeds, which stretch 40, 50 yards into the lake, let them go in there. You're on braid. Don't try and stop them. If you've got to jump in that lake and wade round and, nearly fill your waders up it's worth it for one of them fish you know they probably most of them hadn't seen hooks uh i'd never seen i'd seen a photograph of one fish from there and it was it was the big one you know but years before when it wasn't so big uh and that's sort of what kept me going i didn't know whether it was in there because i never saw it until the day i caught it but um i'd say yeah the turning point was 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 uh confidence without a doubt do you remember your first fish out there i'm sure you do yeah, yeah. The first fish was was the feeling was was unbelievable. It wasn't the biggest fish I, I've ever caught, but um, yeah, the battle was unbelievable. I was, I was playing it with a migraine, uh, and I think it it made the migraine worse. But um, yeah, it, it was a it was a, a nice common bit of uh, damage from the otters. Um, but I'd lost so many at this point, and to turn up there and your rod go without even getting the sticks in yet. Uh, actually, I'd, I'd, I'd run round the other side which was only about further up the bank in the outer bounds to spread some bait. And I saw my line uh, um, going a bit mental. You know, it's, it's something, my mate was there next door. He, we were on a social and um, he was going to pick the rod up. I said, I shouted, leave it. And I went and, I went and grabbed it. So there's nowhere for him to go. It's a big pit. Um, I just didn't think my rod was going to go off. You know, it was, I've been there for, for 10 minutes. I'd have my rod out for five. And I just quickly ran around, said, look after that, chuck some bait out. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a very good day catching that first one because it it um, it gave me the, the the drive to carry on with, with the place. Yeah, no doubt, mate, no doubt. So so obviously you like you you did your time on there. You caught you ended. I'm guessing it ended in catching the big one um, that you wanted that you sort of set your stall out for. Before you went back onto there, because I know we're jumping around a little bit here. You yeah, said you went to a, a, a few different waters. What where, where did you go to and what were you doing? Well, I mean, about a year where I've done the reservoir, I went to Bled for like a romantic trip with the missus, you know, and ended up fishing out there. A uh, bit of a funny one. Uh, done a little bit in the Colne Valley as well and um, done a bit on a park lake. So, yeah, I was, I was all over the place. Um, but I went to the reservoir that, obviously, you remember Tommy Bishop. He's, uh, <laughs> you're not going to forget him in a hurry, but... He he spoke a little bit about it on on the on his one. Yeah. Um, I'd fished it. I don't know how many years previous, but it was a different lake back then. It had a lot more water in it. It was off the radar, I guess. Um, you know, now Ollie Davies is fishing it. You know, um, so he knew about it a long time. He, he's a local boy, and, and he's always wanted to fish it. But he's a busy man. But um, 
it's, it's a different place now. The water level is a lot higher. Uh, again, another big pit, 60 odd acres, something like that. A fairly small stock of carp, some random ones thrown in from, from ponds and whatnot, but also a, a stock of carp that were probably far better than the lake I was fishing. Um, real old mirrors. Um, some of them looked ancient. Some of them were fairly clean. I think where it wasn't gravel pit, it was very silty. The lake was 300 years old, dug in the Napoleon era, um, hand dug by French prisoners of war. Uh, so it was a real old one, very silty, not much in the way of gravel. These fish didn't look like they'd lived in a gravel pit. They looked like they'd lived a relatively good life. You know, I think gravel pit carp hurt themselves a little bit uh, on the snags and on the um, the gravel itself. But these these look like they live a good life. But they still looked old and they were old. I know of them getting caught in the 90s and they were big back then. And um, yeah, I went on there and uh, it, it just went swimmingly from pretty much straight away. Uh, I know people struggled on there, but um, and I've struggled on other places. So I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone else, but that just suited me perfectly. The turning point for the other lake that we spoke about earlier was going to this lake. Because in this lake, I learned a lot about my angling. And I think it was going back to, if you want to catch carp, put a rig where they are, right? And and try and see that rig go down now all of my fishing had always been lowering rigs on little spots or little cast running around the other side to see how it's sitting in the snags or whatever it might be and um yeah with this lake it was a big pit it wasn't didn't seem possible but get the waders on you can go wherever you want you can drop them drop, drop rigs wherever you want and the same with a, a dinghy you know you can drop it wherever you want see it go down and that's sort of what happened on there um it was a club water at the time high turnaround of anglers but it was relatively quiet but you had a lot of people give it a go a lot of people did struggle but yeah just wading rigs where i was seeing fish lowering them and uh, little traps and uh i managed to catch two of the three lins and they were the best ones in there you know uh there was a common that was beautiful but i never felt close to it and i just I didn't bother but um it all happened really quickly. It was like six weeks. I'd caught everything I wanted and, and I'd done the off. It just went so well. Um, so, yeah, you can't ask for much more than that, really. Yeah, I think, like, we all have that, don't we? Every now and then, you'll, you'll just click with a lake and it all just sort of falls into place. And it's, um, yeah, it's a it's a good confidence booster, <laughs> like, for sure. 100%. I know you use that to go back onto the, uh, the otter otter pit and um yeah it's just a weird sort of phenomenon isn't it like you say it's like others around you they like they may i can only speak from my own experience they might be better anglers than me but for some reason i've just like clicked with that particular water um it's it's fun like angling is such a funny thing isn't it it's like i don't know that there's just so many variables i don't think it's like i might be wrong but i don't think it's like a racing driver like it's very mathematical and maybe they do click with certain circuits but i imagine it's much more black and white than carp fishing where there's so many different fucking variables and it's like probably a lot of it is down to your mindset so if you feel that you click with somewhere you're probably going to click with somewhere and make it happen if that makes sense without a doubt if you've got a smile on your face when you're catching those carp i think you're going to fish for them better yeah. you know and if you've got confidence in something that someone else hasn't them using that technique that you're using might not work for them, even though it might be the better way of catching the carp, you know. And for me, I think on there, it was it just suited me down to the ground. It was clear. I could wade in the water. I remember the week before I caught the big lin, a fish known as the big lin. Um, 
it swam past me. Uh, I caught two that session, my first two out of there. And then it swam past me. So, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, sorry, I'm getting a phone call right now, which is a bit annoying. It's an exit. God knows how to stop that, but I'll let it ring on. Um, but, yeah, I think it was it was as simple as... Um, Simple as that, really. Just clicking with the place. It suited me down to the ground. Um, I was seeing them. And if I'm seeing them, I, I feel like I'm catching them, you know. Um, I think a lot of people were using pop-ups on there as well. It was shallow. It was relatively clear, silty but clear. You know, you could present bottom baits. And I think that they'd seen too many pop-ups, in my opinion, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, do you, is bait something that you go into in depth or do you just sort of use whatever type of bait you think will suit, like pop-up bottom bait, or do you kind of, uh, do you pay a bit more attention to it than that? For one of the um, I think there are times when you need to use pop-ups, obviously, and if I'm using a pop-up, I want a buoyant one, one that's going to be, that my rig's going to work with. Um, in terms of, I mean, for me with bait, it's about the feeding situation rather than the bait itself. So if I'm using boilies, it's because I want to spread and I want them to feed in a particular way, maybe because I have to use pop-ups. Um, if I'm using, uh, let's say, maggots or particle, it's, it's maybe because I've got a little gravel spot in the edge and um, I want as much attraction as I can get out of, of, uh, of, of the bait I'm using. And I believe, you know, you can use everything, crumb, hemp, maybe some tigers or whatever a load of maggots i mean what's better than that surely that's better than boilies in in my opinion and i think there are times when they want to eat boilies something a, a, a easier to to you know a boilie is surely far better far, far easier to eat a boilie than it is a, a couple of seeds that are sort of hiding in a bit of gravel you know yeah but yeah that, for me it's more about the angling situation and, and what i have to do and uh, rather than um the science behind the bait itself yeah yeah and it's like it's really cliche nowadays isn't it but you said everyone else is fishing pop-up so like i just wanted to be different you i'm guessing you fished a bottom bait um it's really cliche thing to say and everyone says it but yet not many people do it it's like this weird yeah. phenomenon do you know what i mean definitely definitely i think with pop-ups i think they work incredibly well you presented more than you are with the bottom bait and um a lot of people have got massive confidence in them, especially like the real low ones, like the Ronnies and whatnot now, which I just can't use. I can't use a Ronnie, but you know, it makes sense as to why they work. But I think if you're, especially if you're fishing a shallow lake, a pop-up make a, a bottom bait makes so much more sense to me. It behaves a bit more natural. If you've got a critically balanced pop-up and it's wafting around to me, it's obvious they, they do fish, but I think it's more how many times have they been nailed on a pop-up? um it's it's more than just to be different it's it's more i think it just makes more sense especially on a silty lake i think if they are harvesting naturals a bottom bait is going to get eaten and a pop-up might not because it's it's you know they're not dig they can't you can't dig a pop-up out it's there it might yeah. be wafting around them yeah. if they're looking for bloodworm you've got a, a bottom bait a set a bit of sediment might settle on it and you know it, it's it's more natural for them um but there are times, obviously, where I've done really well on pop-ups as well. And, and in situations where you probably shouldn't use them on gravel and stuff. Mm. Choddies on gravel on, on the otter pit because it, it wasn't gravel, it was rocks. And I thought, well, I can't put a bottom bait on there because it's just going to lay between these massive boulders. Chod rig was all I could think of and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like, I've fished. I quite like a choddy. I really do. I don't, I don't hide it. And um, 
I don't usually fish them over clean bottom. I must say, I'd be firmly on the bottom with that. Even with a like an overweighted um, hook bait, that can work really well. That's a different story. Yeah. But yeah, I've done it sometimes. I'm like, fuck it, you know. I'd, or, or typically, I wouldn't use a choddy. I'd use a hinge. And um, sometimes, for whatever reason, it just works. And, yeah. Um, I know there's like again with the cliche thing, or you know, have it high off the deck, like a, a, a taller pop up for the bigger fish. I think that might. I think there might be something in that. I think like the little fish, yeah. whether it's to do with like the, the how big it is in relation to them or how they feed or something like that. I don't know, but I've sort of found if there's a lot of smaller fish present, you go to a taller pop up. Yeah, there are times when you have. To, I mean, there are times when it makes so much more sense to do yeah. that. If you have got stockies in the lake or uh, whatever, um, a taller pop up makes so much more more sense. But yeah. for me, it's I'm overweight in it. So it's not wafting around like a critically balanced yeah, hinge yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Just so it behaves a little bit more like a bottom bait. Mm-hmm. But I do, yeah, there are times when you need something a bit more blatant to uh, to piss off the stockies or whatever, or the smaller carp of, of you know, whatever, whatever, whatever reason they're doing in there. Yeah. Bottom bait fishing is really out of vogue, isn't it? It's almost an edge in itself, I think, using a bottom bait nowadays. Yeah, definitely. For me, you know, it's like on the Little Lee Valley water. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but I didn't, I, I, I used to pop up once on there and it didn't feel right. Um, it was all bottom bait fishing on a, a, a lake full of crayfish, full of weed, a very spotty lake. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I'm sure people have done very well on pop-ups, but for me, it's all about the bottom baits. I, I've had years where I've exclusively fished chod rigs because it just made sense, especially on the leather pit, but um nowadays I haven't, I haven't put a chod rig out as much as i love the rig just because of the waters i've fished i haven't put a chod rig out since fishing the uh the otter lake you know and you were fishing choddies on the otter lake was that yeah it, it's not how i caught the big one but it is how i caught the rest of the stock yeah yeah, um, yeah. and that was just the style of fishing big winds chucking rigs out as far as you could it ain't gonna tangle when it's gonna sort of settle somewhere between the rocks tall, tall choddies are, are gonna is better than a, a bottom bait uh, uh, i think and it works you know it, it caught them why why can't you f- bring yourself to fish a ronnie just don't want to butt the trend no I, f- I fished a ronnie once and i lost the fish and i hadn't dropped a fish at that point mm. for a long time um and i just well look it's, i fished a ronnie on on a um on a spot that i could have put a bottom bait on but I was fishing it in January uh, and it, I didn't know what kind of leaf litter was on the spot yet. And I just wanted to get a rig out presented. I didn't want to, you know, the light was fading. I wanted to get a rig out on the, that, on the Lee Valley water, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was a good thing that I lost that fish because it, it brought me on to, it, it kept me going on that, in that zone, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, obviously it wasn't like I chucked the Ronnies in the bin after that. No, fair enough, fair enough. I like a Ronnie. You can use them anytime. They're a I wicked like rig. They're a very, mm. they're such a good rig. They're just not for me. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing out on a massive, well, is it an edge because everyone's doing it, but a massive uh, carp catcher, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's I, it. I used to, um, Pete, do you remember I used to use the, the, like the original Ronnie was the 360 rig? 360, yeah. I used to use that you know, years ago, 15 years ago, maybe. And, um, Honestly, like when I started using that rig, I noticed this. I think that's probably the only rig that really, maybe the the chod because just purely because of the presentation. But 
other than that, I think that's the only rig that I've started using it, and I've been like, holy shit. Like, it, it made a real... It's probably the right kind of water for it, but it made, like, a real difference to my angling. A friend of mine done the same thing with a 360, and I'm sure he still uses that now, you know, he, over the over the money. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's it's always about what works for you. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and um, the 360, it's more of an old-school rig, isn't it? it? It doesn't hold the same sort of... Um, what's the word stigma i guess is the ronnie the ronnie's a very popular being used by everybody um it's like a little hinge really it looks perfect i just happened to lose one and i hadn't dropped any fish for a long time but maybe if i'd have landed that one i'd be uh on the ronnie's yeah it's like it's just hard to do anything that's so overused isn't it definitely yeah like goes against something inside you and i just don't feel right for me it does if everyone's on a ronnie you know i you know I'm sure that any rig will catch any cup, uh, providing it's presented correctly. But yeah, just not for me. Just not no. for me. What do you know? What I just asked this question. I'm totally taking this podcast off track. No, it's all good. Why is it called a Ronnie? Does anyone know? I feel like well, I the bloke know. who come up with it was called uh, Ronald, Ronnie or Ronald something or other. Um, I remember seeing something. Martin Bowler had used the original Ronnie rig and he was tied a little bit differently. And I did tie it up that way and I liked it a little bit more. So rather than a, a Ronnie swivel with a hook, it was an ordinary size 10 swivel, a little bit of braid, tiny bit of braid, like a little knot and a little mm. knot, and then the hook with a big bit of shrink tube. So it sat a little bit taller, but I think the movement in that little bit of braid, almost like a little little hinge if you like um i have more faith in that because yeah. metal to metal just screams hook pulls to me even though i've got plenty of friends who you know anglers far better than i am who uh who use it who use it to great success yeah that like that's that's what i have nowadays i basically do an all bright and then to, to a very flexible braid just like make a loop on it put it through the eye pull it down put a little ring on the end for the hook bait <clears throat> and then i ch- i ch- fucking i cheat i don't use a shrink tube anymore i use those little kicker things they're good though i know i'm almost cringing saying it because they are like you know commercialism personified really but they are very handy and yeah that's what i do now and i think that's probably better movement if you've got a nice flexible braid yeah it is with the like with the like you say the metal to metal i think i don't know it's not really definitely like and then them cook, uh, kickers are great for uh multi-rigs as well you know for um if, yeah. if, if you want to use a multi-rig but you want a, something to keep the the braid coming out where you want it out of the eye of the hook i guess it's far mo- better yeah. than a yeah than a than a um a bit of shrink tube that you've got to snip off to redo your hook. so i think that they've got their place you know although they are they are um you know some people might think they're a little bit noddy i i, I like them i've done well on them <laughs> Mate, i'm all for making life easy you know definitely yeah yeah Anyway, we like we we digress, don't we? So I can't even remember where we we're up to. What where we, we were talking about uh, talking about the um, the reservoir. We we got we sort of got up to uh, when I caught the Lynn. Um, I mean, the reservoir for me, it was such a short stint, and I'd caught probably a couple of years worth of fish or more in, in sort of six weeks. So there's not loads to say about it, but pretty much i was wading rigs wading rigs to fish that i was seeing i saw the target if you like swim past me one day and a week later i caught it from that spot it literally swam up to me i've got pictures on my phone of it next to me it didn't spook uh it was yeah it was unbelievable um and then yeah caught a load more fish um a, a few more from that spot and then i went round to another zone 
And at the time, I was told I could, I could dinghy on there, uh, which was turned out I actually couldn't. So uh, I was, yeah, I was dinghying rigs long to where I was seeing them. I, I used to lap that lake 10 times, big lake. I lap it 10 times until I found them. And then I'd be like, right, I'm getting a rig to that fish. Don't matter how I'm doing it, I'm going to do it. Um, and, you know, I was younger as well. It was a long time ago. And uh, I, was, I was up for a bit more of that. Nowadays, I can't be asked with it. I'm, I'm a. I'm a little bit more, um, yeah. I, I don't want to get in trouble if you like, but um, hmm. yeah, it was it was uh, it was as simple as that on there, and, and that's what gave me confidence. The next one I had was the one that Tommy Bishop had, which was the one-sided lin, and um, it's funny on there because it was a bit of a dodgy late. I remember going to sleep at night, you'd wake up and there'd be a group of rude boys sat on the dam wall smoking their splits. It shit you up a bit. Because you basically you're fishing. You've got a brolly, your brolly or your bivy or whatever. Then you've on your grass, and then there was a, a path where the public used to go from sort of the countryside, if you like, to an estate in Boreham Wood. Then you've got the dam wall, which used to climb over uh, a big slope, then a sort of flat, sort of concrete zone, and then the water where your rods were 10, 15 yards out, because obviously you can't put your sticks in it in a wall. So the quite a few I'd had fishing at long range. And um, yeah, the rod rips off one day. Um, literally, I'm, I'm just hearing my alarm screaming. I run out in me, in me trainers, no, no waders or anything. So I yeah, jumped over a wall, slid down a slope, straight in the water, running through to the rod. Uh, it, it's the most exciting thing ever because there's so much anticipation while you're, while you're uh, you know, trying to sort of get to your rod, which is like an obstacle course away. It was like doing um, mm. on ITV, um, Ninja Warrior. It's a little bit like that. You know, it was mental. And um, yeah. And then it was, it, I didn't lose a fish on there, fishing the braid after losing my confidence on the other lake. And um, yeah, um, sort of playing them from 170, 180 yards, whatever it was, uh, landing all of them. And, and the last one happened to be the, uh, the one-sided lin, which... Tom had it quite small because they'd just spawned. It was one of them lakes, didn't have any real big ones in it, but they were real special ones. Um, and they were they were unknown. People kept it quiet on there. It used to be a little tiny little syndicate of about 10 people, I think. Then it went to a, a club. And um, I'd heard a little bit. I didn't really know the stuff. I didn't even know this fish had existed. And I'd caught what I thought was the best one in there a little while before. And this fish was just ridiculous. One side was scales that looked like they were going to fall off uh sort of scattered linear it was a mid 30 didn't matter one of the best lins about i'm telling you maybe not quite as good as them white swan lins nowadays but back then it was like it was amazing the other side was pretty much bald until the wrist of the tail had a few scales on it um and a bit of sort of armor uh, along its um its gill plate some scales there uh, but yeah just a classic looking carp you know a long lean dark chestnutty uh, and that was the last one I had out of there. Um, and I just, after that, I just thought, well, I'm done now. You know, I've caught the sort of two best ones in here quickly over sort of six week period and plenty of others as well. And um, it was time for me to sort of to move back on, I guess, to the to the other lake. Is it which? So I get lost easy. But earlier we were. Well, not on not on the uh, not on the podcast. We were talking about flow state, or you were talking about flow state, um, and there was a bit of nature reserve flow state. What have we covered that lake yet? I wanted to ask you about that. 
oh, which one was the flow state? I can't remember that. that. Well, that was, oh, yeah, so there's two, right? So you've got, the the reservoir was certainly, it was flow state, undoubtedly. You know, it was, uh, everything just went just like that. There was no thought to it. There was no thought to anything. It just happened, you know, and all of a sudden you've got an album of, of amazing carp without really any thought, you know, rigs, nothing. I didn't think about anything. It just happened. I remember there was a song I used to play on Roots of the Lake and it sort of get me in this zone and I'd smile. And every time I hear that song now, it reminds me of that, that, that time. But yeah, I play that song, do the drive, enjoy every bit of it. If I got stuck in traffic, I wouldn't care because I knew everything was going to go swimmingly when I went down there and it always did. Um, and yeah, the same thing happened on, on the, um, on the other lake in the reeds on this was on the, on the otter pond, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about that, that now or. Yeah. Um, talk, talk, yeah. As much as you can talk about. Yeah. Talk about it now. Yeah. No worries. Well, I mean, the otter lake, I'd, I'd had some time off. I'd gone back when my little one was born, done one night, caught one, a lovely looking common, almost 30 pounds. Uh, didn't really matter though, you know, proper overslung mouth looked like it belonged in the Colne Valley um, and again looked like it hadn't been caught uh, anyway um, I was done then the little one was born I at that time was fishing a, another lake a, a lake in the Colne Valley a big one and once the little one was born I thought I need something a little bit more manageable so I went elsewhere and you know months down the line I'd, I'd had a little operation on my chest I had a device in my heart uh, which meant for a period I wasn't, I couldn't lift too much. So I just wanted something a little bit more easier. I had the little one. It, it was a tough time. We were living at my missus' mum's at the time. It's quite a small house, trying to get off, uh, get in the flat. And um, yeah, I just needed something that I could just sort of drop onto. Anyway, I decided to fish another lake near to the Otter Pond. And I was on there one day and I text my mate. And I, um, it, this was the 1st of April. And I said, I know where they're going to be on the Otter Pond today. I know exactly where they're going to be. Uh, but I don't know if I'll be able to fish for them around there. So he was like, look, do what you need to do. Don't get in trouble. I'd never seen a bailiff on this lake. I'd seen one other angler. And it was a, you know, it was one of them. I'd, I'd followed every single rule going at that point but at this time I just I I, I I packed up from this lake this 100 acre lake got back to the car cut the mile walk walked around to where I thought I was going to see them and um, they were all there if, like the whole spot 25 fish up, up a tree I knew they were going to be there I don't know what it was but and there was no reason to say that they were going to be there but I just knew it and I knew that if I could get a rig in there I'd catch one I fished that spot plenty of times, but it was a lot of aggro to get a rig out there, wading out a far way, chucking. And I caught from there as well. But um, I knew that I weren't going to catch them like that on this day, you know, because it would. I, I had a couple of hours before I had to be at home. Anyway, weirdly, I'd picked a thousand different bugs and snails out of this um, weed that I'd raked in for a completely different purpose I won't go into. And... I waded out, thrown all them insects in with a bit of crumb. I'm not saying it was the insects and I'm not saying, you know, I don't know what, but they, they got into a frenzy pretty quickly. 
And amongst them was this big mirror that I'd only ever seen one photograph of. And the bloke didn't look very experienced. The bloke was holding it. He was holding it sort of in a funny way. Real tree camo kind of bloke. Not judging. I used to be one of them. But it, it, from, from 15 years ago, the photo that I'd seen. Um, and it, it's all I'd ever seen of this fish. And I saw it in front of me. I thought it was otter food. I'd seen so many otters on that place and so many dead carp in the margins as well. And I'd only ever known of two mirrors, that one and a smaller linear, uh, which was a lovely fish I never caught. Anyway, I saw it there and I thought, I've got to catch this fucker. I'm going to have to go and get a rod. So I went and got a rod. It took me about, I don't know, um, half an hour until the coast was clear and another half an hour to because um, it's a public lake, and a half, half hour to slowly create a path in these Norfolk reeds. Once I was in there and outside, I could pretend to be a swan smashing the place up. So I got in there, um, and they were all there uh, feeding on the stuff that I'd thrown in earlier, including this mirror. Every time it was, its tail was in the air, its, its scales were flexing, I was seeing the whites of the scales. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, I waited until it had disappeared, lobbed the rig out, proper fluff to cast spooked some fish that I didn't even know were there it, it, you know it didn't go to plan at all chuck the rig back out there without a bag on or anything so I'm thinking because I had a little bag on before no foam nothing like that I've only got me rod camera on a tripod a mat and a and a um, and a net and I'm squatting and my legs are killing me as well and uh, I flick the rod back out again trying not to be seen uh, there was no fish by this point and within three minutes the linear, uh, sorry, not the linear, the, the fully, it's a big fully, sort of disc-shaped fish, uh, and I've only ever known of it being caught the once. Um, yeah, comes back. <laughs> First mouthful was uh, at my um, my um, uh, hook bait. Anyway, it had shot off. It, everything just, it just flowed. I didn't think about anything. It just happened. It was almost like I let my instincts take over, and I think that's really important with my fishing is, and it's really important for sort of my mental health and stuff as well is, you know, when in life, do you use your gut, your head and your heart? You don't really in life. You work, come home, you stick the TV on your brain dead until you go to sleep, have some dreams, wake up and go back to work. And that's why this kind of fishing does it for me because I'm using, you know, what I really am. I'm a, you know, I'm a more than a sort of working whatever. Uh, and, it proves it on this day to me, you know, it showed me uh, that there are unexplainable parts of myself, if you like, that, that helped me. Uh, yeah, could call it this. I heard Oz Holmes call it the, the flow state the other day. Athletes call it that. So we'll call it that. Anyway, nothing was thought of. It just happened. And all of a sudden it shot off in a foot of water and it's gone about, it's done a run of about hundred yards. Now I'm fully exposed. I've got a, I've got a bank, of, I've got like a, a sort of probably a thousand yards away. There's bird watchers and, and this and that and whatever else. Uh, I'm not concentrating on them, but I'm aware of the fact that I'm exposed. Anyway, a proper scrap. I get the fish in and for some reason, I didn't know whether it was the fish or not, even though I saw it shot off. A lot of fish shot off. You know, the stock was there, 20 carp, 25 carp. I saw the big plated scales when I got it close and... I just started mumbling all kinds of words, you know, like little prayers or mantras to get this, this thing in my net. And by the time it had got in, yeah, I was on my knees. I was in water anyway. You know, the reeds are in the water. I was on my knees. Um, 
I wouldn't say I was close to tears. It was more than that. It was something something that will live with me forever. And, it, you know, it's only a fish at the end of the day. You know, we carp angles, we fish with it. That's all they really are. But um, the feeling I got from that, you don't get from just anywhere. You, you don't get from even a, a club lake with some nice carp in it or maybe even a circuit water. It's you're a wild animal and you make contact with another wild animal. And uh, and that's what that's what happened on that day. And, and it's hard to find that kind of fishing. And I was blessed at that time to, to have had it. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, done some self-takes uh 10 second time of self-takes done a little video um and just i walked out and for the first ever time saw a bailiff done me there and then got in trouble i've paid my dues and i said to him i said mate i'm you know i would say i'm sorry but i, I you know i've just caught the fish that i've been after for a long time and i'm over the moon and he said well i can't argue with that he, he was he was fuming he was fuming uh, to start with. There was steam coming out of his ears, but he said, I can't argue with that. Let's get in a swim and we'll sort it out. And uh, yeah, he, he gave me a bollocking and, and he sorted it out. And as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that's done. But he, he said that I was watching you with my binoculars, mate. And uh, what can you do? You know, I, I don't regret it because of the feeling I got was worth being banned from that lake forever. And luckily, I think it's because we had a great conversation and I ended up actually fishing another lake that he bailiffs later on. And he said, mate, you know, you're a good bloke. And we, um, I wouldn't say we're friends, but we, uh, yeah, we get on now. So it was well worth the, uh, the aggro at the time, without a doubt. One of the best fish I'll ever catch. And it's not about size. I didn't weigh it. It was a big fish. It was, it was everything. It was the full, it, it, that day had everything that carp fishing has to offer, you know. And that's why it will stay with me forever. Yeah, what you said, like, it, it's just one what did you say one wild animal meeting another wild animal is that what you said yeah 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 i have this i have this thought all the time it's this is my theory right i th and the wine is kicked in so forewarning the beers are kicked in are they good good we'll, we'll get all deep and then um <laughs> I, I often think to myself i think the reason why anglers fish and even hunters hunt like deer hunters etc I think it's because we've got a part of us that wants to get closer to what we admire. Now, Without a doubt. I don't know if that'll make sense to anyone else, but that like that really, like that thought, when I first had that thought, I was like, well, yeah, that's that's it. And like I've thought about it ever since, probably had this thought going around my head for about a year. And I think it's really true. And when you said that, like it's just one wild animal meeting another, it made me think of it. And it's like, it's so, it's just so true to me. Anyway. Without a doubt. I mean, we, you know, the whole reason we, we, we do it is to feel something uh it's not out out in the world, worldly like doing drugs or anything like that it's uh, people refer to it as a drug but i think that's the adrenaline rush uh this is something else that you don't get from getting runs on a wherever this is this is something this is a, a connection with albeit a you know arguably a negative connection because you, you an animal is suffering to an extent yeah but you know you are but ignoring that and i go through the morality of it all the time but ignoring that you know you're uh you're totally outside of um, outside of uh, your work, your the expectations in society of yourself, um, your, uh, your your worries, everything. Your, your, the, the system itself of, of uh, work, music, this, whatever. Ignore all of that. You turn into some another another kind of being uh, when you're doing that kind of fishing. 
um, or if just however other way you get that feeling. But um, and and that's what it's all about for me. You know, is feeling that. Uh, if I didn't feel that, and it only happens every few years, but I've had it more than a few times. I didn't feel that I wouldn't be doing it, and I question sometimes when I catch big carp why I do it, and then I catch carp like that, and I go, oh, that's why I do it. You know, it's it's far more than catching a fish, and it's far more than catching a forty pounder or a fifty pounder or whatever. And that's that's why um, I've never been too fussed by. Um, weighing them or pbs or anything like that often you know there are times when i desire a 40 pounder and i go for it um but the the scratch isn't really itched by the end of it you want to go and do a little bit of what i've just explained you know uh, that's what it's all about for me um and if that ceased to exist and it was all just hot offense syndicates as great as they are and i've had some good times on them i'd definitely stop i'd stop doing it yeah, and it's you like you've obviously got a lot of admiration and and respect for the fish, and that's why you want. So that's why we want to get close to them, right? It's like we want to touch them, hold them, and uh, yeah, it's just a weird thing, isn't it? But I like the fact you don't weigh all your fish, right? I'm the same. It's um, it's like almost like if it's a a, a carp that you've like worked your ass off for, it's like a huge kind of achievement. You're almost disrespecting them by like wanging them in a sling and like you know yeah. reducing them to numbers it just yeah. sort of feels a bit soulless sometimes don't get me wrong I, I i weigh you know most of my big fish but it does sort of feel a bit wrong in a way well you're you're then you're getting out of that animal state if you like and yeah. you're you're putting it back to right what you know how is this perceived in the carp angling world it's as a ego. as an achievement yeah. it is yeah. an ego thing and i do go fishing sometimes for my ego you know there is an ego boosting when you're doing well on a lake where no one else is, it, it, it's it's a different kind of buzz, and I like it for every aspect. When I hear people say, "Why do you go? You shouldn't go fishing for forty pounders, or you shouldn't go fishing for this." Look, if you want to go fishing because you want to stick a picture on Instagram, do it. You know, it, it, go for whatever reason you want, and I go for all of it. I go for the barbecues with my mates, and and uh, I go for the solidarity and 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 whatever else. But the main thing. You know, I'd go camping if it wasn't for these kind of buzzes that don't come around too often. I've only, you know, I've only had probably four, five of these in my whole life. You know, uh, they happen probably more actually because it happened a lot more when I was younger because it was all new. But now it's not new. You need, you know, it's a bit like maybe um, if you're a bit of a, you know, if you if you're getting old of a lot of women, you want a, something different and something a little yeah. bit more every time. It's the same kind of thing to an extent, but. The main thing is is wild, you know, it's wild and raw and just, yeah, that's what it's all about for me. Yeah, spices, mate. You don't want to stick to one spice forever, do you? No. Same as women and lakes. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good stuff. Sorry, Jim. You know, go on. I was going to say, with that capture, did you say you'd picked out like thousands of snails and stuff out from the weed? Yeah, I, I yeah, I'd got, I've got a, a picture of it. Uh, I picked out I don't know, a, a, a good handful full of shrimp, uh, damselfly larvae. Um, mm -hmm. I'd raked a load of weed, uh, bloodworm, snails, everything. And I threw it out there. I, it just so happened that I'd done that. And then I'd had this sixth sense as to, I knew something good was going to happen on the day. I knew I was catching, but I wasn't catching on the other lake. I knew it weren't going to happen. So 
And then this thing pops in my head. I know, like, the weather it just looks great. They're, it's first of April. It's early, but I know where they're going to be. I just know. And um, it just so happened that when I waded out there, I had a pocket full of insects and boily crumb. And that was the thing that went out there. If I had sweet corn in my pocket, that would have gone out there. But whether it helps or not, I don't know. But it it worked for the big and whatever happened, yeah, yeah, every yeah. single, if I'd have used boilies, maybe that they would have fed in another manner and I would have caught a fucking 28 pound common or I would have caught an unknown one that I didn't know about, you know, that has sort of evaded my eye because there's no records of, of any stocking that I know of in this lake. There's no, you know, it doesn't get fish. It's just, I the only reason I knew what was in there is because I see it with my own eyes. And then that one picture that could have been dead. So I was fishing for, for myths to an extent. And, um, yeah, just so happens, just so um, happens that one of the myths turned out to be a legend, you know. So, <laughs> no, cool. it's yeah. a lovely insight, mate. You painted a lovely picture. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, you know, I've had a few beers now, so God knows how this is coming <laughs> out. But, but yeah, yeah, that that's, that's pretty much that one summed up. You know, it was it was a, a smile for a smile for about three months, and uh, and something that I don't, I'll struggle to beat. Yeah, lovely, absolutely lovely so sorry guys i've interrupted again and sort of ruined the flow no no i do you know what i i, I need uh, i need to go to the toilet to be fair so um i don't know if uh we who was who was it who had the weakest weakest bladder sam was it ben ben pinager was, yeah, yeah he's always, oh, gonna the, push him for the, the weakest um, bladder isn't he the um that's the um the uh cereal bloke there, that's it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I listened. I listened to the whole thing. And he kept going. Can we just go for a piss? It was, it was so funny. I was like, pissing myself watching it. You know, serial urinator. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm going to um. How, how do I mute myself? Do you know what? Wait, really oh mate, it'll be edited out. But you know, don't be shy. Pinnacles in in our carp fishing life. Uh, I know, obviously, they're few and far between. That was one of them. I think for you, another one was the the cone. Con Valley pit. Yep. Um, right. Yep. Um, so the, the Colne Valley pit was, it was certainly a bigger challenge. Um, the fish, you know, to, if, if aesthetically wasn't what that fully was at all, but the buzz arguably was better because I, my, my little one had just been born. I had this ticket for this Calm Valley water that I've, I'd fished the year previous while my missus was pregnant. I was doing the six days a week at work. Um, and one of the biggest challenge, challenges in carp fishing for me was, was catching one from, uh, from, from this water, 160 acres in the Calm Valley, 30 carp in there roughly. Um, loads of out of bounds, a big stretch, that a big, uh, a big bit that on, could only be fished for by the uh, BCSG and I didn't have that ticket. So I was on a little club ticket and um, yeah, I'd done a bit of time on there the year previous, got nowhere near a carp. I found them a couple of times after spawning, but they didn't look too happy. There was a massive algae bloom on there and I was nowhere near it. And um, uh, after the little one was born, I didn't fish for a little while. Uh, and then I said to my missus, she was suffering a little bit with postnatal depression as well. And I didn't want to, rock the boat in any way because I had to appreciate that, you know, these ladies go through a lot when they're, when they're uh, giving birth and, and, and afterwards, but I needed to go fishing. The little one was four and a half months old at this point and I hadn't been. So, uh, I went back that I went down this, this lake in the Colne Valley. I've been fishing 
Um, and I'd arranged three nights. I'd had a bit of a row with another angler when I got down there. So I went home in the hump with the ump. Uh, and then I went back down there the next day. And I ended up doing a couple of nights in, I'd found, no, sorry, do you know what? That was the week before and I didn't fish. I went back to the otter pond the week after and got some rigs a couple of hundred yards out. Although there were fish there, so this is like a couple of hours away from the Calm Valley water. Although there were fish on me and it took a lot of effort to get that rod out a couple of hundred yards, I packed the car away, another sort of sixth sense, if you like, and drove two hours after setting up down to the Calm Valley water. I just knew where they were going to be again. I don't know. Well, I mean, it was spring. There's a shallow bay. I'd never seen them in there, but it just made sense. So I got in this shallow bay, another bay to the right, I'd found two fish. Now, that's pretty much all I'd ever seen on there, you know. Um, but I didn't fish there. I knew that it was just from doing a bit of homework the year before. It was a deep bay. Uh, and by the way, the bays on here are 15 or 20 acres, you know. It's a big lake, so a bay is uh, <laughs> it's not like a couple of acres. And this bay, uh, I'd, I'd set up in it and done the night. And they'd, a load of fish had come in about 11 o'clock at night. In, this was in May back throughout the water uh i caught nothing that night next day saw nothing all day that night i repositioned rigs where i'd seen them um just bottom baits and little clear areas the weed was coming up but there were little clear areas the fish had come back in at night disappeared anyway i'm just about to leave and a couple of uh couple of boys were looking at jumping in these are two legends who <laughs> to me anyway who used to fish stockers lake i believe they still do and in and in the close season they'd come on to this lake and names were ray and graham and they were proper old school Calm valley boys and um they were like are you you going because looking good in here i was going i was all packed up i said yeah i'm going i was supposed to be home two hours ago but i just can't let myself go i don't want to go home and pretty much as i'd said that 10 carp had swam in the bay right past me including the big one a 50 pounder that had been chucked in from a chucked in from the famous you know from the Harefield lake um but the rest of them were sort of wild commons and um yeah this this fish had, uh, this fish had come right down my left hand margin to a, a sort of sandy area and uh, yeah I, I thought right that's it tie a rig tied this ropey old rig uh got all the rods in and waded it out once they'd swam off i waded it out next to this tire just so i know where i could see the tire from the bank 50 yards away and i knew that if some black shapes had rocked up that's where you know that's where my rig is and um anyway these this fish had rocked up um literally one of them had swam off i thought nothing of it as it had swam off a log had followed it for some reason i thought nothing of it. i carried on watching these fish Anyway, this fish had gone 30 yards, 20 yards, 10 yards and swam straight past me. And there was a log attached to this fish. Turns out that my line had looped under this, um, this log. This fish almost looked like it weren't hooked. I don't know if the lot, the buoyancy of the log, I, I don't know what was going on. Anyway, the line had gone a bit funny. I realised what had happened. And uh, I was hooked into, you know, I never thought it was going to happen. I was supposed to be home at one o'clock. My missus was suffering at the time. And this is where you push the limit sometimes. She was suffering um, at home and I knew I needed to be home. But at the same time, I hadn't been fishing for, for months. And uh, 
I knew there was an opportunity in my heart. I knew it was going to happen. And I knew she'd understand as well. Anyway, the, um, the fish had swam past me. I picked the rod up. Massive fight with this, this log. I'm not joking. It was about six foot long. Attached to the, to the braid the whole time. Something was on my side um, that day. I, like I said, I was supposed to be fishing elsewhere. It really did ruck. The log, the log actually fell off five minutes into the fight, let's say. And then it, it was all right after that. And yeah, I landed. Um, again, the, the emotions were unbelievable. It was the, the animal instinct again. Uh, everything just went perfectly and there wasn't much thought to it. I don't know why I waded that rig next to that tyre. And I don't know why. Um, I don't know why any of it really happened, why I stayed. Could have gone home. I hadn't seen a fish that morning. It just all fell into place. And um, yeah, if I, you know, 10 minutes later, I, I had these two Colm Valley boys and, and one of the, the local boys who'd done well in the area taking some photos for me of, of, uh, of a fish from a, a lake that in my eyes was the, was the ultimate challenge, you know. Uh, unlike the, the Otter Pond, this was, it wasn't about the fish, it was about the lake. And it was about catching something that no one else had catching something that no one else really wanted to, to to fish for because life is too short and that year I'd done four nights on there and I managed to catch one and for me it was like well for that year after that I'd had the operation later on so I sort of gave up anyway for a bit but for me it was like well what's the point now you know I'm in a good way I've done what I wanted to do this year I'd had a few from the Otter Pond and then, and then uh and then this one had come along and, and um, I, I just looked, you know, was with the family after that, enjoyed a, a great summer and I was fully fulfilled. I mean, when are you fulfilled in your fishing? It's very rare. But, uh, I, you know, you always want more, don't you? But on this, on this uh, instance and just like the other one, I didn't want any more. I was so happy with what I had. Um, and that done me, that was May, that done me until September was the next time I went fishing. Sounds mad, but I'll never get that time back with my little one that first year. And it was one of the best years of my life. So I'm glad it went the way it did. And if I could, if someone could say to me, look, I'll give you 10 syndicate 40s for that fish, I'd stick my middle finger up at them because it's not, um, you know, it, it's just a completely different thing. It's the difference between bloody bass fishing and, and that's how far away that is from this it's like a different sport in a sense and i don't do it all the time but when i can i will uh, yeah that was uh you know it's a short and sweet sort of um on there and i will go back there one day it's unfinished business but um right now i ain't got the time for it you know so yeah that was a, that was another one of them sort of wild animal meets wild animal kind of scenarios i guess yeah, lovely man. I'm lit I'm looking at the uh the photo of you with it right now actually. And it's yeah. Yeah, yes, to a see, to to, a, to a, an outside perspective, maybe that is just a carp in a lake and I get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a nice clean common, isn't it? It's like got real overslung mouth. It's a it is a cracking fish, obviously. But it's like if someone just saw that photo, obviously I think fucking that's a nice fish, great shot. But it's it's the the backstory to it. It's like what you went through. It's like the environment it comes from. That's yeah, I mean, it was blood, made... sweat, and tears the year before. Yeah. You know, it was blood, sweat, and tears. It wasn't just like I turned up that spring and caught it. I turned up that spring and caught it, but there was <laughs> the year before was just a blank year. I didn't catch nothing. 
Yeah. We are, we've all been there, mate. <laughs> More we've often all been than not there. for me. <laughs> <laughs> and me, to be fair, you know, it's these are uh, these are sort of small moments in time where it, it goes the way that you want it to go. And yeah. I'd rather I'd rather that than catching all the time because you know, I get pissed off when I'm not catching, don't get me wrong. But um it does make it extra special and you know, uh that kind of fishing is fishing for yourself, isn't it? You know, you're fishing for something that um, no one else really desires or, or wants to go through it. And 99% of the time, I don't have it in me to go through it either. And there are some anglers who somehow have that drive to do that kind of fishing all the time. And I could only admire them because I could imagine um, the amount of times they've felt that feeling that I desire is tens of or if not hundreds of, of times more than what i've experienced and that's the main reason i do it yeah it's an odd one isn't it I, i'll be honest i so i crave that kind of thing that adventure that water to sort of really like give myself to i haven't had that with a water for probably like eight years probably more now and um i just can't like i i've like hit this real like block where i can't seem to to find that water that really does it for me or like lights me up don't get me wrong i like there's waters i fish loads which i just i love i love being there love everything about it but that like you know the the, the big expanses of like the real sort of mission waters i just can't find one that that really just just does it for me everything the thing is everything's so fucking busy now like the yeah. heart fishing is much busier than it than it once was and i know there's some exceptions to that i know you know some some pits you know 20 years ago were really really busy but these lesser known sort of hidden gems like they're not hidden anymore there's people on them there's people doing it already and it's like you, you'll find something get a bit of a lead you know look on google earth as we all do they go there and think oh fucking excited like yes yeah, not gonna be anyone there and then there there could be like there might be no fishing on there but there's like four or five blokes, you know, dotted around a hundred acre lake tucked away. You know, you only really know they're there because you're an angler and you know where you'd be. But it just fucking, it just shits on it a little bit. You know, it's like those waters are hard to find now, I think. Definitely. And when it's yours, it's different to when you're sharing it with five other people, even 100%. if you are all tucked away, you know. 100%. Um, and I feel like, you know, with, with the Colm Valley water, it wasn't mine. There were other anglers on there and there was other anglers who, fished the swim that I'd fished after I had and, and emptied the place, you know, they caught 10 fish uh, in, I know they were doing a lot of time, but they, and this isn't the two Cole Valley boys, they they weren't fishing all the time, but they were good anglers. You know, there were others on there who, uh, they bailiffed it and, and they'd they done really well. They'd done a lot of time, uh, but that's what you need to do. You need to do, if you can, why wouldn't you? I would if, if I had it. And I could have it if I put everything else to one side, but you are right. You know, they are few, few and far between. And um, I think Europe is is where it's at for that kind of buzz. Yeah, possibly. Um, quite possibly yeah. Yeah. The only thing is with Europe is, is it's hard to get stuck in when you live over here. You know, it's a trip exactly. rather than exactly yeah. rather than something that you can really sort of think. Right, today is the day. Get down there. You know, it's a it's it's a um, it's a bit more forced with Europe because you're going there with an agenda. You know, sometimes uh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, the boys live over there. I'm sure they're sort of living the dream. But and I'd love to go and do a, an adventure over there. Uh, I've done bits and bobs, don't get me wrong, but nothing like what you're seeing nowadays that sort of exploded. 
mm. um, that looks amazing. But yeah, if I can get a little bit of that over here, I will. Um, and uh, like I said, it's not what I look for all the time because I've really got to push everything in my life. And sometimes I do, you know, sometimes I will work a little bit less than I should during the lockdown. Certainly, I was told I weren't allowed to work for six months. So I did a night a week, done the most fishing I'd ever done in my life. I think I've done 50 nights in 2020 and it was a, a good year. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd suffered for it at the end because I was pretty skint and I've never experienced <laughs> that before. So um, I weren't on furlough or anything, but um, yeah, um, it, I don't know where I was going with that, but but um yeah, it's certainly few and far between that, that kind of buzz that that we're after. Especially, I think you're are you southwest, are you? Oh, I'm near. I'm in Cotswolds. Pete's Pete's down in Cornwall. Yeah, oh, Pete, you're in Cornwall. Yeah, yeah. I feel sorry for you. Although while I was down there, I did walk a lake. I'm not going to name it, and I love the look of it. Don't know how big it was. Can't remember. But I then saw a photo go up of a fifty pound common, which then got deleted from the website it was on does that ring any bells or yeah, am i dreaming bit of a wrong one you can name it and we'll just beep it out um porf reservoir does that ring any bells yeah, yeah. porf's our old stomping ground there's no 50 pound common in there though is there not i'm sure i saw a cornish 50 <laughs> no. it was yeah common. you did you did mate it was in it got published in a magazine where was that so no that was at porf um but it was no, 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 no. It was, um, I think it was one of the locals entered a competition and it was a Cornish 50 pound common and he won the competition and he was just having a laugh. <laughs> so in my head, it looked like a, a decent one, but maybe. I think pissed. he actually had it in France, mate. It might have been a French fish. Uh, that might, that makes sense. And I think the that's the link. Yeah. Gutter. Yeah. I've, I wanted to go back there, but yeah, I will. One of them ones. I feel sorry if you live in Cornwall, though. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, the yes, it's got its charms, mate. I try and tell myself that. Um, yeah, was, certainly. No, Cornwall. sorry. Yeah, my my missus has got family down there, and I go there here and there, and it's a yeah. lovely place. Just not great on the carp fishing front. No, I bought Porth this week, actually, mate. Funnily enough, it's a I nice sent, place. Oh, it's a really yeah, beautiful resi. I sent you a photo of catfish, didn't I, Sam? I saw it on the yeah, edge. Mate. Yeah. Bloody yeah. hell. There's loads of cats sitting there now. I say loads, quite a few, some big ones as well. Bloody hell. Yeah, I'm not, you, you won't see me fishing there then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Tommy Bish, afraid of the catfish. Yeah, well, you know, I caught him in the Ebro um, uh, in November. I was fishing for mm. the carp, but we, we'd done a bit, a mate of mine out there, we'd done a, um, he, he lives out there and, and I went and met him. And um, he just said, look, just fucking stick a couple of uh, cat rods out you've got to experience it and yeah it was not um it, it weren't for me let's put it that way it i caught a 95 pounder i think the first fish and i just didn't know what to do with it i, I, I wasn't scared of it i didn't want to touch it it was sick everywhere oh. not nice anyway yeah, never never caught a cat i wouldn't mind you know to play one feel its power yeah. i'd be up for just that one just one <laughs> yeah Anyway, enough about the catfish. (laughs) Mate, you um you you talk a lot about your family and like balancing your time. So you were saying about how you do like you're attacking fishing, sort of like you get like a six weeks in at a time, six weeks on, six weeks off. Yeah. Are you sort of full time in it on those six weeks, or are you sort of one night a week 
yeah, it's one night a week. Um, mm. I had a period in 2019 where I did two nights a week for three weeks in the December. One of those nights was I've done the Christmas shopping and the birthday shopping for the little one. I've got a car full of presents. Chuck, uh, uh, I couldn't fit a bed chair in. Chuck a brolly and a rod in and a net and a mat, obviously. Get down the pre-baited spot at 2am. And it's, it's that kind of thing, you know, for me. It's not about the nights that I'm fishing. It's all about the... Um, how do I put it? It's more about the the prep that I can do, whether that's walking it or or um, baiting it. I mean, the Little Lee Valley water that I've been fishing, I've, I've, I've finished on there in May, but fished it in the winter of 2019 and I've done the autumn of 21 because I went elsewhere after the lockdown. Um, so I've done about 30 nights in the end. Uh, and then I did four nights this year in the spring. Uh, yeah, on there, it was all sort of, you know, before work, get up four or five in the morning, get round there, walk it, bait it. After work, if my missus is asleep, uh, walk the lake and, and see if I'm seeing anything showing or whatever. Um, very intense, but the actual fishing itself, some weeks I wouldn't go. Um, I was still pushing the limits then because for me, it's I want to walk my little one to school on my day off. I don't want to go fishing because although I love it, you, know, you don't get the time back. You know, She'll be 15 years old one day and, and she won't want to know me. And I've got another one on the way right now. So, um, yeah, with the Lee Valley water, uh, it was, I was doing one or two nights a week, but mainly one night. I'd done two lots of two nights in November. And one of them was on the floor uh, on the last day of November, but I caught one, so it was worth it. Um, it's some lovely this is, sort of... This is recently as well. This is fairly, Yeah, yeah, this is, this is recently. And you're um, still kipping on the floor. When I have to, you know, when I have yeah, to. Yeah, good for you. But you know what? It's it's all about if if the rod's on the spot and, I've, and I'm confident. And on that water, you know, it was tricky, but get enough, you know, pre-bait enough times on the right spots. It was probably three spots on that lake that I felt fairly confident in. Um, you know, I know I know people have banked 30 nights on there, but um, it, I, I clicked with the place, you know. Um, they were very spotty fish and I ensured that my rigs were on them spots spots that maybe i didn't know about but the spot within the spot under a bush the further under a bush you could get or the, the, the more awkward it could be the better because they've been hammered everywhere else you know it's, it's a, a club lake mm. five probably four or five thousand members could have access to it um uh and it's, it's not busy all the time it, it's, it's a tricky lake you know sometimes there's no one on there but high turnaround there was a, a bloke on there doing five nights a week while I was on there and I thought in my head I was like I'm never catching this common I'm after it was a, a, an old one um, probably you know it, it's been about for a long time it's been 40 pound for a long time it's jumped around lakes over the years and it's a nice one um, but it had some good mates in there as well the, the fish and, and I made sure that even though there was a bloke doing five nights and there was a bloke doing a few overnighters and whatever else i just made sure that that, that big common had its breakfast um it, you know every three days and and that was a big sacrifice because it meant not getting a lot of sleep or waking up really early going to bed really late um and it you know it sort of worked but um i think for me on there all of my fish come in the edge um little traps lots of crayfish but i'd make sure to pre-bait them spots with lots and lots of bait. So then by the time I get there, 
the carp had spooked the crayfish away. The carp had fed, the crayfish had pissed off. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, it, it worked. I, I very rarely got crayed and it was notorious for it. If I chucked a second rod out, it was often one rod, that rod would get crayed because I hadn't done the prep that I'd done on the other rod. And um, anyway, I'd caught pretty much all of them out of this lake pre-baiting little edge spots and yeah using the baiting pole so what i'd do is like i said earlier i'd cast i'd, I'd put a baiting pole dip it out of the out of bounds so run around there and stick it out cast over it drag it in uh put it in the spoon the, the rig and then drop it right close in so you, you're fishing where no one i could pre-bait that spot thinking no one's ever going to fish that um and i saw the big one on there and and i'd catch on real short sessions when people were doing five nights and blanking so I knew that I was onto something. I saw the common there. I knew I was going to catch it from that spot. I knew. I just knew. But then while I was pre-baiting one day, a tree fell down and totally ruined everything. So I had to, all this prep and whatever else, I had to, to go elsewhere. And um, I caught a lot of nice carp out of that lake doing similar things in other swims. Uh, and, and because I was doing the overnighters, no one knew about it. So come spring this year everyone thought i was new on the lake but it turns out i was just there in the hours of darkness doing self-takes if i'd caught one and no one ever knew that i was on there and um because it's not my kind of water really it's a club water and it's busy but i fished it in my way and it worked i caught lots of carp um well i caught 15 carp and they just so happened to be the second best the third best and whatever else i was really lucky um and some of them had died but um, yeah, a lot of people had said that common loves a nut in the middle and going on past captures, it was the truth. So I thought, right, I'll start fishing in the middle and pre-baiting a spot in the middle. Totally against my instinct and everything that I talked about earlier, all against all of that. But I did it anyway and I pre-baited it. I saw fish showing on it. The spot got harder. I never caught on it. I fished it. I've done four nights this spring, just gone. And I said to my missus, she was suffering bad with a morning sickness, uh, really bad. She ended up in hospital for a few days. And while she was there, she, got, she ended up getting COVID. I don't think she had it. They just tested her and said she's got it. She had no phone on her. So I, I, it, was, it was a real tough time in my life. I was taking the little one to school or taking her to my mum's house to look after her, walking the dog. Uh, and going to work, doing as much work as I could, and then picking the little one up. I had snuck in the hospital because she was in a ward where I wasn't allowed to be, just to give her some supplies because it was it was a real funny one. She lost a lot of weight. It was a scary time. She's pregnant and and uh, she was really ill. As soon as she was ill enough, uh, well enough to to she come home and, and everything settled down a bit. I said, look, I'm I'm really feeling the strain. I've just done a couple of months of. Uh, of um you know it was a real tough time for me because i was on autopilot trying to do what was best for the family and um and i know i've done my best as well and uh my missus always does her best so i've got to do my best otherwise it's unbalanced i said look now you're feeling a bit better do you mind i'll do a bit of fishing she was like no of course not she's always been very understanding but i always try and also try not to take the piss anyway going back to it that was just a little bit of uh a bit of backlog as to what was going on simultaneously to the lake. I hadn't fished the March period and I was clucking to go. So yeah, I've done four nights that 
that um, spring, so the spring just gone. Um, didn't catch anything, um, but lots of pre-baiting, lots of fishing in the middle, lots of doing what I thought was best to catch that common. And then one day, I just knew I was going to catch the common. Something in my head changed, and I was like, I'm going to catch that common. Didn't know how, didn't know whatever. It was my birthday. And I went to the uh, tackle shop. It was my birthday. There was a lot of traffic in Watford Town Centre. So I went to a tackle shop that was local. I'd never been there before. It was like a tackle shop from the 1960s. I said, he said I said, you're right, mate. I said, I'll have a gallon of maggots. He said, I haven't got a gallon. I said, all right, I'll have um, whatever you've got, all your maggots. He said, what do you want, white or red? I said, reds. He said, I haven't got reds. I said, all right, we'll have whites then. It was like, it was ridiculous. So I got my, got my maggot. I ended up going to another tackle shop. I can go out and get in another gallon. Got down the lake the next day and um, we got stuck in a traffic jam an hour and a half as well. It was, it was a pretty shit birthday, to be honest with you. She was feeling rough. It just didn't go to plan. So I got down to the, and we missed the baby scan on that day because of the traffic. So got down to the lake the next day thinking, I know I'm going to catch the common. I just know it. I don't know what had happened, but I never felt close to that fish. And I'd caught every, pretty much everyone in there and um, worth catching anyway. And uh, dragged the lead quickly across the spot in the middle I've been baiting. Felt spot on. But right, I get two rigs on that. I looked to my bush to the left. And two weeks previous, I didn't say this, I climbed up the tree and I'd seen the common looking a bit battered, swimming to this bush from the open water, looking a bit uncomfortable. I say a bit battered. It had two scales lifted on the other side. No one had told me, but the fish had been caught about a month ago and I didn't know. And it had gone through the biggest set of snags in the lake. Now, I'd, I'd seen it from up the tree. And I, I thought, do I go with my gut and do what I always do and fish from where I can see them in the edge? Or do I do what everyone else does, which works? I'll do what, I'll do what works. So I've done that twice. And I see the common in the bush the next session, which was the third session. On the fourth session, I'd pre-baited this spot so many times. It was rock hard, bang on, going to put two rigs out there. Went and had a look in the bush and I see three big mirrors in there, which I'd caught already. Thought, fuck it. <laughs> I'm putting one in the edge. So I jumped in, got one in the edge, put two gallon of maggots over it. Just went with the instincts. I just thought there's big fish down there. Where there's big fish, there's, a, there's um, you know, I felt that common had to be there. And it's the only common that I know of in the lake definitely the only big common in the lake and all i'd caught is mirrors anyway the next I'd, a mate had come down a non-angler that night we'd had a few beers and a curry and normally i'm just by myself so it was a lovely treat for my birthday good friend of mine from when we were in, in nappies and i told him i said look mate i'm catching this common tonight i said so if you want to stay down here feel free he's like yeah i'll stay down um and we had, yeah, we had a curry, load of beers. It was wicked. I went to bed that night thinking, I'm catching that common in the morning. You know, I've done, rather than doing what I've done for the last three weeks, a, a rig in the middle of the pond on, on pre-bait, how it always comes out. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it in the edge. And um, yeah, lots of liners all night thinking they're crazy. You know, lots of maggots in, in, um, in May. Probably not the best thing to do with the silvers and whatnot. Um, but I'd actually plugged a boilie with chopped up maggots because of the because of the craze and the nuisance species then oh, i drilled it out plugged it with chopped up maggots so it smelt like a maggot 
plugged that with a bit of foam so it was critically balanced and the chopped up maggot couldn't escape if you like and tipped it with two fake maggots so I couldn't get fucked up by the craze and the, and the, and the little ones, the little fish in the lake. Uh, and um, yeah, next morning I'm looking out in the open water spot, a fish shows, I'm like, oh my God, here we go. It's happening on that rod. And I thought, right, it was four in the morning. I thought, right, quickly put my head down for another 10 minutes. And as I'd done that, the left-hand rod, which is, is in the edge where I'd seen the common a couple of weeks before, maybe he'd lived in there sulking for a month uh, or felt more comfortable in there. But I'd, I'd followed my gut for the first time that year on the lake. And um, in following my gut, which has only cemented to follow, you know, your head, your gut and your heart rather than, or sorry, yeah, more my head and uh, more my heart and my gut. My heart, because I love doing that style of fishing and my gut, because it told me to do that. I followed my head and I went in the middle of the pond. This time, I'm not doing that. And yeah, the, uh, the rod ripped off and um, <laughs> full compression. Uh, I couldn't believe it because... I thought it was the other rod that was going to go and uh, it really scrapped and it's not known for scrapping and a common popped up. I couldn't get it in the net. You know, it was one of them ones. It, it was clearly the big one. It went on another surge. This lake's one of the snaggiest lakes I've ever fished, by the way. And, you know, far snaggier than the leather pit, which was incredibly snaggy. I'm fishing 60 pound snag leader and, and uh, the thinking anglers braid, which is like rope because if I'm, you know, I'm landing that fucker and, uh, yeah, rods, rods under the water, 13 foot. So I've got 13 foot underneath the snags, if you like. I've managed to get it out. And, and it was a big common. It was 42 two, I think it was. But yeah, it was from on my birthday pretty much to catch um, a fish that I never felt close to until the night before or, the, or on my birthday even. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was just nice to, to sort of cement that further, that, you know, listen to my gut, listen to my heart, and the head is sort of secondary in a sense. Um, it was just more of that. It, I'd felt a feeling similar to the others, not quite as good, I'll be honest, but similar to the other fish I'd explained earlier, but without, um, without uh, the, the, the water itself. You know, it, it was a pretty much, it was a club water with a high turnaround of anglers, wicked fish in there. Uh, some proper anglers had fished for that fish and caught it plenty of failed and but at the same time i did it on my own terms again which which uh yeah i know now <laughs> keep going on your own terms mate you know so yeah there you go that was the, that was the the big common that I've, i showed you earlier sam i'm looking at it now mate yeah this is uh lee valley right yeah that's where a lot of the wintery shots with the the lovely mirrors it's sort of yeah it's that water um they are wicked it- like that i'm obviously the common is is awesome but those mirrors as well like they're some special old fish aren't they mm, that bald one's lovely but the crinkly tailed sort of scattered limb almost a fully that um that's a special one you know uh, that's it's dead now but um it's, yeah that's that, with like the what i call the devil tail that's it yeah that's yeah. the one yeah i'm uh gobsmacked by that one I was you know it was uh yeah it was um probably a bigger buzz than the common to be honest with her um again it was in the edge i'd lost one um my first fish i lost and then after that it was that's it 60 pound leaders braid i'm putting sticks on my real handle so if that rod's coming out of the the, the butt grip there's sticks everywhere holding them in I, it, it was sort of real hit and hold stuff and it's the stuff that i love it, it's what i like doing 
you know, I'm not really a free on a spot kind of bloke. I remember seeing um, Gaz Ferrum down Sandhurst. I had nowhere to fish shortly after my heart operation. And he, I'd had a chat with him and whatever, and I was opposite him. And I was trying to do this free rod on a spot stuff. And I must have looked like the biggest plonker in the world because I cracked off on a spot. I, could, I just couldn't do it, you know. And this is what I think you've got to play to your strengths in your angling. Um, and it's something that I sort of, I feel like, yeah, it's only cemented year by year. So, um, you know, that's, uh, it's just, it's something that uh, I, I wouldn't say I've learned recently, but something that, yeah, it just it carries on sort of telling me when I lose a little bit of faith, I guess. It's absolutely right, mate. But I suppose the thing is, in like, you're never going to learn unless you put yourself through it, are you? That's the thing. I'm not saying that you should be able to fish through on the spot. I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. <clears throat> you know, I, I definitely can't, um, you know, tram track them, they call it, don't they? I definitely, it's a skill within itself, isn't it? Oh, mate, I can't do that shit. But if I felt like that is the way I have to go, I would you have to I'd, do it. I'd learn. Yeah, you've got to do it, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to do it. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. You know, I've, I've, uh, if I happen to fish a water where uh, that is the way, then I've got, to get, I've got some learning to do, you know? Yeah, um, ditto, mate. <laughs> hopefully it never happens because it's not for me. But yeah, like, you know, Tom Maker, for example, one of the best anglers out there because he can do what 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 some of the you know what terry Ann can't do you know or or whoever pick yeah, your yeah. pick whoever you know he's he's an unbelievable angler might seem one-dimensional to some people but i'm sure there's so much more that goes into his fishing than we understand and uh his, his results clearly please show they're, they're better than mine so uh yeah <laughs> but everybody does it's different like we were talking on the phone earlier today weren't we it's different types of anglers and, and different sort of subsets of of the hobby isn't it you know certainly like it's um yeah you just like i think sometimes it's good to look out of your own sort of section and and like look onto other areas and you like, definitely learn don't you 100 percent, yeah without a doubt um and you know we're all uh the day you stop learning sort of the day you may as well give up i guess but um yeah, I'm 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 all out, I'm all up for learning something new if I have to. There are big carp waters, fairly low stock, where three on a spot works very well. So yeah, one day I might have to give it a go. Yeah, there we go. We like I mean we've covered so much that there's something I got to cover on this podcast. If that's all right, if you're all right for time. Yep. It's your uh, your artistic streak. So yep. Like, we haven't this haven't hasn't come up yet, but you. You actually did the drawings for Kevin Nash's one of his more recent books, didn't you? Long time yeah, ago now, yes, but yeah, in your years anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, a long time for me. You know, I've done. Uh, I'm a different person since that since I've done that book. <laughs> but um, like, talk, uh, just run us run if you're all right for time, or if you need to go I'm for fine. It first or whatever, that's fine. But run us through that story, how it came about, what what it was like, and just sort of take us through that whole trip. Well, it's a little bit of a, a backlog, I guess. I mean, I've, I've recently started posting some bits on social media. And the reason for that is, is um, it, you know, in, in a sense, it's to um, it's a bit of fun, I guess. But, um, you know, I love my artwork. I do have an art, an art page, which is totally, it's nothing to do with fishing. But also, I'd love to go back to what I did when I was a kid, which is, you know, which is my art. I, 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 I I paint and I draw now most days if I can. Sometimes I'm up till two in the morning. It's the same as the fishing. If I'm not painting, I'm fishing. And if I'm not fishing, I'm painting. 
and I'm doing one at one in the morning or I'm doing the other, you know, whether it's walking, baiting, painting, varnishing a canvas, whatever it might be. But uh, they're my two loves in life and uh, they, they give me a similar, um, a similar sort of feeling inside that, that work or whatever can't give you. And even family can't give you, you know, everything gives you, it's the, the variety of, uh, of life, I guess. But um, yeah, um, I, I started posting social media recently, sort of, I want to put some artwork up once I've sort of put a few fish up and got a little bit of attention, I guess, which is something that I didn't think I was going to do, but it's just made sense at the minute because I work six days a week. I've got a family and I, I, you know, maybe I want to steer my, my career. I'm done with what I've been doing for a long time. And, and maybe, uh, if I can do one day less a week cutting hair, I'm barber, uh, it's long days, it's 12 hour days. I get home at seven or eight o'clock at night. It was nine o'clock on Wednesday uh this week um and i want a bit more time with my family and, and also if you're good at something why not do it so that's something that i want to get back into and i have i've done a lot of time this year painting but um yeah to, to, to sort of go back while i was on frogmore um there was an absolute fruitcake on there called ditch and ditch uh he'd basically he'd fished he caught the lever he I mean, I used to see him fishing and he was, he won't mind me saying this, but he was a little bit of a rude boy is probably the wrong word, but he had all his mates down there with him. They were smoking and, and whatnot. They were young, but they were, but, but he was doing it. You know, he, he had the, uh, his mates down there on the bikes. They were, they were a bit of a handful, but they didn't cause too much trouble down there. They were good blokes, great to chat to. They helped me out in many ways. And but he was fishing this lake and he, he was so driven and he, he caught the lever and then he went on to dot himself around the country and caught plenty of other big fish. And now he lives in Spain on the River Ebro. Uh, he, he loves it. I don't know anyone who loves it as much as him. But um, he, uh, I met him on there and he ended up getting a job as uh, in the office with Kevin Nash before the social media days. Uh, as I guess Kevin's sort of right hand man uh, there was him Alan Blair there Reedy uh, I can't remember who else was there but I remember them three being there when I when I went up there anyway I was at the time I was poaching a park lake it was a non-fishing lake I'd had a I'd had a 27 pound common out there on a bit of bread and while I was there I got a phone call from him he's like you're right mate it's ditch you right how you doing he's never rang me before you know I've, I've fished with him plenty of times but he's never rang me before it's ditched. We're in a bit of a pickle. I've got uh, my boss's book, you know, Kevin Nash's book. We've got an illustrator. He's, he's done the lot. The, the book needs to be out for September, but the illustrations are shockingly bad. We need someone else on it. Do you want to do it? At the time I was drawing carp for people, you know, 20 quid a, a picture. And I've done a few for a, a few, um, you know, a few big carp boys who fish Raysbury and, um, wherever else you know they, they, so I put them on Facebook and, and got a little bit of a not a following but some some sort of big blokes in the in the fishing world if you like had asked me to do something for them and I wasn't I wasn't amazing at it but anyway I said yeah fuck it why not I was doing I just started doing my A-levels at the time A-level exams at the time for the first year and uh, I threw it all out the window I had a sketchbook that I was empty and I had to, because of this book, I ended up doing it all the night before. Still got an A, so that was all good. But 
I had to fill up the sketchbook for the exam in 24 hours. I didn't sleep, but uh, it was worth it because um, I'd, uh, I got the call from Ditch. He said, can you do the book? I was supposed to be doing the coursework. I had two weeks. I didn't have a computer. So I went around my granddad's house. Luckily for me, my nan and granddad lived two doors away and they drove so I could, they were handy for me to get to fishing and whatever. So I've gone down there, got the computer up and he's ringing me up. You're right, Jake, for this chapter, I need a picture of Kev as an eight-year-old holding a rope. And I had 20 minutes, you know, we had two weeks to do the front cover and 30 illustrations. And, you know, home life at the time, I'll be honest, it was a, it was a very strange place. So it was like, it was so hard to get all this stuff done. But um, I just had to do it. It was an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. And, uh, yeah, done that. Right, map of Harefield. Can you do it within the hour? Yep, no worries. Watercolour of Harefield. Bosh that one over. The next one is, I think it's, it's called um, oh, Silver End, an Essex water. Yeah, yep, no worries. Yeah. So, yeah, that one, the Snake Pit. Obviously, we all know the Snake Pit, fucking like maps. And then, and then it was, can you draw Kev's Doberman attacking an explorer? No worries. This, that, whatever else. Anyway, we've done all, the, all, the, all of them. And I got a mate of mine to drive me down to Clacton, which is a couple of hours away uh, in the, the sort of coastal Essex. Bit of a shit, I know that because I stayed down there on a holiday once. It was the, it's the most most culturally, no, most economically deprived place in the UK, Jaywick next door. Anyway, Kevin Nash's house is beautiful, by the way. But um, yeah, got, got to his house. Uh, and he's a, he was a, a funny bloke. Um he didn't look too chuffed. He had all the drawings in his book and he went, have you done the front cover? I said, no, no, I didn't know I had to. He's like, can you do it? So, uh, he said, can you do it now? So there and then I drew probably 50% of the front cover in front of him. Uh, and then I got home, spent another hour on it and the front cover was done. Um, <laughs> in Yeah, I think it, they had two weeks to, get the images off of me, edit them, get them in the book um, and get the book to the printers. So 70, and, and there was a write-up in the Angler's Mail with a, a, a special mention for me. It, it was amazing at the time, you know, it was so good because art is my passion, you know. And um, I didn't do the best job I could have done if I had unlimited time. However, just like my fishing over the years, I didn't have unlimited time and I did the best I could. So for that, re that reason, I'm, I'm proud of what I did. And to be fair to him, he said he, he Kev sorted me out big time, free bait for a very long time, free gear. Um, I got a pretty much a free trip to the Ebro out of it. And um, what else? Yeah, he, he, he'd done me a book, he'd signed it and, and, and gave me a thanks. And then the write up in the Angler's Mail and everything else, they'd, uh, they'd done some, they'd set up a little business for me so I could draw carp for people. They'd done a lot for me, you know, um, and they didn't even know me. So, it was a, although it was, it was pressure. It was a, it was an amazing thing to do at 17 years old and I'm, I'm better at it now. I'd, I'd love to do another one, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'm doing a few bits for a few anglers through the Instagram, putting stuff on Instagram recently. I'm, I'm doing a few bits now, which is lovely. But, um, I think for me, that was a different kind of, uh, buzz, if you like, then, don't like that word buzz, but a different kind of buzz to, to what um, catching a carp is. 
and yeah it, it was it was something that I'll, again i remember forever i remember um the sort of the good that them boys did alan blair was it was a lovely bloke i didn't know who he was at the time but uh, that everyone in the office has, has, uh, has um, given me a confidence boost in my work as well which you know it lives with you forever you know so um it was a lovely thing to do and um i'd love to do more of it so let's hope that one day i'll do a bit more of it yeah definitely it, it sort of mimics your um like your early years in cart fishing fishing um frogmore you sort of thrown in at the deep end with frogmore weren't you and the same thing with this like you got a deadline you're doing it for kevin nash of all people um and he's sort of looking over your shoulder as you're doing the front cover i mean it is like jump like throwing in at the deep end isn't it yeah, so definitely. Definitely, the I think way, mate. Probably the best way for me. It is, you know, if I'm if I'm doing something, it has to be totally. For, it's something that I've learned recently. It's got to be for me and for no one else. And you know, um, I've I've got uh, and, and if it's for me and and me only and, and only my thing, if you like, then I will I will put everything into it. And um, I, and if I am doing something that, that really does sort of, I'm, I'm on a, a wavelength with, I, I will go all in with it. And uh, yeah, that goes for the fishing and long may it continue. And, and that goes for the artwork and long may that continue. And hopefully, um, yeah, bigger and better things for that because sort of it's a passion of mine that I've found recently. I didn't, doing that book after that, I got a proper job, if you like. Uh, and um 10 years I've been doing something that isn't really me I'm doing it every day pretty much and I'm, I'm ready to you know and there's always opportunities out there um so I'm ready to go and do do something different now and hopefully it might not be in the art world or the fishing world but but the skills that I've got from these two things whether it's being a little bit more self-aware than I used to be whether it's you know being creative whatever it might be that's the next thing for me, you know, and, and that, it's only good for me, my family, fishing time, you know, because we all want more fishing time, don't we? You know, so, it's you know, good thing, mate. that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. I, I guess we just see where it goes from here, but yeah, apart from that, I'm, I'm enjoying, um, enjoying where I'm at now. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've just joined a new syndicate. Um, it's the only the second ever syndicate I've ever fished. So, uh, yeah hopefully um good times on there but yeah it's low stock it's 30 acres big gravel pit um so i'm really looking forward to getting my teeth stuck into there my first session is next week june the 16th two nights which is a big thing for me um and yeah everything's just seemed to sort of be sorting itself out right now so so long may that continue mate maybe you'll have to come back on and uh once you conquered that pit you have to come back on with your other tales, maybe. If just just leading on from the uh, the the um, your artwork, if people want to check that out and and look at your your handiwork, where's the best place for that? Is it Instagram somewhere else? So it's it, this is something that I um, I need to to get on and, and start putting a little bit more effort into the social media, which I haven't done for a long time. But the art page is Jake Hughes Art, so. J-A-K-E. I've got to spell it because everyone gets it wrong. Cool. H-U-G-H-E-S art. One word, no commas or anything like that. No uh, funny, um, can't think of the word. But yeah, um, so that's the art page. Sorry, um, mate. J sorry, Jake Hughes art, what, dot com or? 
no jake hughes art is an instagram page sorry oh sorry mate yeah no no problem uh, i didn't explain Google. it very well <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, Jake Hughes Art on Instagram. I've got a, an Etsy page. There's a link on my um, Instagram, fishing Instagram page and on my art page, which hasn't got those on there, but I've only just started doing it. Uh, January, I started painting and I've sold 17 since January. So 17 paintings. So it's going really well. I've got a gallery coming, which I'm sure the carpers won't be interested in because it's not fishing related. I've got a gallery coming in July. Um, so it'll be like an exhibition of, all the recent bits that I've completed, I sent you a few bits earlier. So it's sort yeah. of psychedelic art, some crazy stuff. Um, it's so, fucking mental. I'm looking at your page now with the sheep going down by the water and then the sky and the mountains. Yeah, it, you know, it's a it's a Jeez. reflection of my my perception of how the world is. Yeah, no, I do. I, I got, mate, honestly, I'm not saying I got that as soon as I fucking looked at it. Yeah, like, you know, if, if I can just give a quick explanation, you know, yeah, you've yeah, got, yeah. and I, I'm not saying that we're all sheep because I'm just as much of a, a follower of, of of where we are in, in this realm, if you like, than everyone. But, you know, I, I feel like <laughs> the painting, the, the, the big black painting that I sent you earlier, it's a big oil painting. It's about a metre and a half by a metre and a half. It's on my wall, actually. But, um, yeah, I mean, that one there is... Uh, we're sort of scraping the last dregs of what there is to explore eat uh you know yeah. fashion whatever it, all, everything all, all the sort of sets of life uh but you know, i believe the magic's in the sky and that's why the sky is so magnificent in there and, and that's what i love about fishing you get the sun the creator of everything in my eyes you've got the moon uh which you know affects every uh, living creatures behavior for whatever reason we, we can't work mm. it out why you know that's why they call them lunatics that's why monday is called monday because it's moon it's moon day sunday is day of the sun saturday is saturn day thursday is the day of thor you know it's, there's there's links to it all but and that's what goes into my art it's it's very um deep but yeah the magic's in the sky you've got the northern lights the stars the stars align with certain um pyramids at certain times of year and uh, there's all sorts going on up there and that's why i love the fishing you get a clear sky just like in the ebro when i was there clear sky dead quiet no light pollution you look up in the sky and i know tommy bishop he loves his photographs of the sky but me i ain't got time to photograph it i'm staring up there you know hmm. and if this fish showing in the night i'm looking in the sky because that's where the magic happens so that's where my art is that's where my fishing is it's all about for me what's up there and i think that there's more to it than then, uh, then we'll ever know. And I like that. So, yeah, right, that's, that's uh, magic, mate. That is magic. You mentioned pyramids as well. I'm guessing you mean the Egyptian pyramids. Yeah. Uh, the geometry to, oh, it blows your mind, doesn't it? Like, blows your mind. The, it does. The, yeah, I won't go into it, but just like look it up, the angles that they're at, and just, oh, man, yeah. it's fucking yeah. crazy. Surely enough, and a, a, a more civilized and, and more, um, the word uh advanced possibly we've we've um deep de devolution we've devolved since mm. then i believe because yeah. what they were what they were capable yeah. of you know we're not at the pinnacle of humanity right now i mean we're all chasing clark how uh, you know i know <laughs> we do it for our reasons but these guys were uh were aligning pyramids from sudan to uh egypt and and, and right the way down to the uh, to south america uh, and yeah, I think we've lost a lot of the magic, um, a lot of our magic as as beings, if you like, in, uh, in this in the current times with technology and, and um, whatever else. And 
again, that's why we, we go fishing. I think we get a little bit of that magic back and we realise what we really are. And that's why I do it. And that's why I don't give up doing it because mm. the morality of it, the fact that we're using fish meals, which is decimating, not us, but, you know, the, the, the industry, not the bait industry, but the, the big fishing is not good. You know, we're, we're yeah. crushing up loads of dried fish to catch a fish. All these little the morality of all, all of that, it doesn't always sit well with me. But if I can feel a little bit of that magic, uh, a little bit of why we're, well, maybe why we're here perhaps, or, or there are things that we can't understand and our tiny little brains maybe can't comprehend until maybe the moment of death or whatever it might be. I will carry on fishing, you know, and that's where the animal meets the animal again. And I'll carry on painting because for me, that's what it's all about. Uh, these are good beers, by the way. I think they must have something special. You know? <laughs> ah, I like it, mate. That That's yeah. going to be bouncing around my head for a while. The animal meets the animal. Fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, certainly um, resonates with me, you know, without getting too deep. But um, yeah, I've, 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 you know, I've in, enjoyed, I was pretty nervous coming onto this because it's not something I've ever done before. It's a bit, a bit of a, uh, hmm. a bit of a funny one, but I'll tell you what, it's been good fun speaking to you both. I've listened to quite a few of them. They're, uh, yeah, I think you're both doing a wicked job and uh, I'd love to uh, get back on one day, you know. Yeah, definitely, mate. We'll, you'll you'll be uh, welcome with open arms, I'm sure. This will go down well. I, I just know it will. Is is there anything else you wanna you wanna cover on this podcast? I see. I mean, there there was other bits that I could have spoke about. However, they probably should have gone before what I have spoken about because I just don't feel that I will do them any justice because I don't think that they're as good a story as maybe some of the others. And I'm not saying that I'm a best storyteller in the world but i know that they just they're just not as good you know they didn't make me feel a certain way and if that's the case i won't explain it as well so i think maybe for another time but um if there's anything that you want to talk about i'm happy but if not (laughs) yeah it's it's been good i think that's like like you've done such a good job of taking us through the journey of these different adventures of yours it's like if we try and do something else it almost spoils what what it's what's just come so i think i'm good with it i mean pete have you got was there any pete you've been very quiet is there anything that that jake sort of touched upon that you wanted to expand on at all you know i think jake sort of summed it up perfectly like you guys have just said i don't think we should probably cover it now but if jake comes on again we could um, definitely talk about his bled fishing um because i'd like to hear about that at some time yeah Uh, but, but i think it's been a fantastic podcast and there's the podcast where me and Sam don't have to speak a lot. Um, it's, it's generally a good sign. You know, I think you can tell a great story, mate. And I think people will really, really enjoy what you've had to say. Wicked. Well, yeah. Cheers for, um, cheers for having me on. I know it's uh, probably something that um, you're not, uh, <laughs> you're not used to some, some, some random bloke pops up, but yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And it's, it's been a good crack. So um yeah, cheers. Great to speak to you both. And um, yeah, we'll catch up soon. No, it's a pleasure. Cheers, Jake. We appreciate it, man. Wicked.